Thanks for listening to another episode of The Unlockable Podcast. Let me cover some quick housekeeping before we dive on in. Starting today, we're moving the news, the bin buying, and bin playing sections to the end of the episodes. We realize that talking for a half an hour before getting into the main topic is kind of a lot, and we think it'll help new listeners get into our podcast. So look forward to hearing about what we've been buying and been playing at the end from now on. Other than that, thanks for tuning in to episode 37. Today, Hannah and I talk about what it's like to be a gamer in 1996, all the games that dropped, the consoles that released, and more. Make sure to hit us with a really freaking high rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, and let's get started. Welcome back to the Unlockable Podcast. My name's Christian, and joining me as always is the Game Girl Advance SP. Howdy. Hey, Hannah. I guess we're not doing any any pre-show stuff, so uh, I don't really think anyone cares about our lives. Let's just get into it. Alrighty then. Why not? I'm kidding. Uh, what's new, pal? How the heck are you? Uh, I am good. Finals have got me stressed out. It is finals week next week so uh as soon as i get those out of the way i'll be off for summer psych just kidding i'll be off for a week <laughs> and then i'll have summer classes so there's no rest oh, these for aren't the your final finals no i'm graduating after or in summer i guess technically in august so i have one more semester 12 more weeks and then i'm free again and most people would be excited about this but you're kind of sad yeah i was like it was kind of weird walking home from class yesterday because my classes for summer are going to be online, so I probably won't be there. It's like, this is the last time I'll be walking on campus as a student. You know, just weird. You know? Rest in peace. Maybe you don't know, but <laughs> I like school. Man, I hated college and school. Love it. Absolutely love it. That's why I decided to stick around for four more years. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we've been what about doing you? this podcast long enough that you know we've seen us both graduate it's pretty crazy it is crazy three whole years right yeah three and a half three and a half now yeah wow look at us go um my month i i went to retro palooza last month or last weekend that was Ooh. fun i can talk about some crap i bought there honestly no like crazy pickups but i had a good time um anything else crazy in my life going on things are going well nothing nothing crazy but things are going well that's fun what was at the convention um i go to buy stuff right but they also had a bunch of um what do you call it voice actors you know they had a lot of pokemon voice actors actually and i'll tell you a quick funny story oh from the anime okay i was about to say were the games um and it wasn't like the original Ash Ketchum, and I don't Aww. even think it was, it, it might have been the original Brock, I'm not sure, but this guy who plays Brock either now or used to, his name's Bill Rogers, uh, I'll give you a funny story real quick, um, I went with my best friend Aiden, and we we looked up this guy, I always like to look up um, like what work voice actors have done, to see like, oh, you know, maybe they've been in something else that I enjoyed. And maybe I can get them to sign something. Because I really have no interest in getting, like, a VHS signed by a voice actor <laughs> of Pokemon. Like, it's just not for me. Right. Um, so, funny enough, this dude, Bill Rogers, has been in a few Wii games, 
absolute shovelware and and we're like oh my gosh we have to grab one of these games and take it for him to sign you know all these people are going to be like taking pictures with him and they're gonna be like oh my gosh it's brock i gotta get him to sign something brock related and then we're gonna show up with this piece of garbage Wii game that he probably <laughs> doesn't even remember doing it's m&ms he did three m&m games on the nintendo wii three wait and... hold on <laughs> hold on a sec there's three <laughs> m&m games on the Wii? Period, yeah. <laughs> Why? Um, one of them's kart racing. And he has this line... Well, come to find out, he has this line in the game that he, um, he, he voiced, like, I guess the announcer in this Eminem kart racing game. And he he's, like, notorious for just having this really loud and obnoxious voice in this game where it's, like... I forget, oh, it says approaching sound barrier really loudly when you're, like, going the wrong way or something. I don't even remember why you would say that in a game. But just the way he said it is hilarious. And, um, yeah, I guess, I guess he, he, my friend bought the game for, like, $5 at the convention. And then he said that the joke was worth it enough for him to spend 40 to get this game signed. And so Jeez. we take this game to Bill Rogers and he immediately starts busting up laughing and I, honestly i was a little worried that it wouldn't go well and that he might get insulted or something <laughs> but he took it so well and he was such a nice dude um it was awesome it was great that is hysterical i'm surprised he remembers he'd be like what is this garbage yeah <laughs> so the funny thing is he did three m&ms games on the wii and when we showed him this one he he laughs and he's like you know what's funny is i think all the voice acting I did for this game in particular, I forget which one we brought him, but he said, I think all the voice acting I did ended up getting cut out and they didn't use it. <gasps> no. So he signed it anyway, and he wrote approaching sound barrier on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So it's currently sitting above the fireplace in the living room. <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Um, yeah, so that was nice. We met Brock. That's pretty cool. He's like, uh, no Pokemon? <laughs> Just M&M? Cool, 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 cool. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but that's enough of that. I think we can get started with our podcast today. Feels Heck weird yeah. only getting into it at seven and a half minutes in. But, I know, uh, usually, usually we have a warm-up. But <laughs> not this time. So, I don't know whose idea it was, but we're going to be talking. It's probably your idea. You have a lot of good it was, ideas for the show. <laughs> it was show. totally my idea. <laughs> We have, um, we're going to be talking about, this is going to be like a little series, assuming it goes well, um, but we're going to talk about 1996 today, what games came out, all the hardware that came out, and just kind of relive that moment. Some of us are not reliving it, neither of us are reliving it, right? I was like born in March 96, Hannah wasn't even thought of yet, so yep. these are, we're not reliving anything, but you guys might be, and um yeah, we're going to talk about the culture, we're going to talk about the, just the year, and everything that is related to gaming, and a little bit of just, like, technology, um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Or, you know, since we weren't born then, uh, people can tell us how wrong we are. We're like, no, 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 that's not how it went at all, you know? <laughs> that's why you listen on YouTube, guys. You can go drop a comment and roast us. Or harass us on Instagram. That's fine, too. 
or Discord. But anyways, um, yeah, so we're going to start with some, I guess just as an outline for you listeners, we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of introduction here where we talk about the end of 1995 going into 96. Uh, we're going to talk, we're going to do a straight up monthly breakdown for events and games as they happened. And after that, it's pretty much, I guess we'll talk about sales and kind of the best selling games of the year. And we're going to kind of just recap, you know, share our opinions, share our favorite things to come out and so forth. And uh, yeah, I think mm-hmm. if this goes well, it'll be our, um, it'll be the way that we do it going forward. Yep. Anything you'd like to add? Uh, no, I think you think you covered it. Let's do it. Um, so obviously, video game podcast, we would like to know what the big companies were doing at the end of 95 as we bleed into 1996 here. Um, the big companies, I guess. I guess we can just say all the companies that were making video games at this point, but Nintendo, Sega, Sony, and Microsoft, which was pretty much just Windows gaming at this point, and then also Atari, who, I'll just cut this one short, Atari was really hanging by a thread, they had been (laughs) hanging by a thread for a long time, and uh, the Jaguar CD was really just on the brink of, I don't know, being terminated by the end of 1995, and... Um, yeah, you know, Nintendo had the Super Nintendo out, Sega had way too many consoles out, you have the Genesis, the 32X, the Sega CD, the Saturn, all these consoles are having games made for them right now, and people don't know what, (laughs) this is the point where Sega had lost a lot of trust by the consumers, and everyone has heard plenty of YouTube videos or whatever just talking about the history of Sega. It's very interesting, but it is overplayed, and I don't need to go too far into it. Um, Sony and Microsoft. Microsoft, like I said, we had Windows gaming going on. There is a lot more PC gaming than just Windows at this point, but we can talk about that a little later. Sony had the PlayStation 1 released in 95, and it was a huge, huge deal. And most of us know the story about how Nintendo and Sony didn't work out when making the new console together. So Sony went and said, hey, I'm just going to make the PlayStation on my own. Peace out. And, yeah, anything you'd like to add to that, Hannah? Um, I will say that, honestly, the Atari, like, the downfall, the rise and the downfall of Atari is, like, absolutely fascinating. (laughs) But um, just just like an interesting little tidbit, they were actually like locked into a pretty serious and lengthy uh, legal battle between like Nintendo and Tetris and like who owned the rights and whatever. Um, and that came to a conclusion in 1994 and Atari games or Atari uh, ended up having to pay Nintendo like cash damages and the right to use some like several of their patent licenses. So the relationship between Nintendo and Atari was not good in the 90s and 2000s. But I had no idea. I thought that was interesting. It's crazy that that lawsuit didn't settle until 94. That must have been going on for years. Years. Do you imagine how much money they spent on that? And they were already kind of dying. So it's like, it's just a losing (laughs) battle. You might as well just, you know. 
end it now or pay for whatever damages. But yeah, so Nintendo was coming off of the failure. This only uh, released in Japan, of course, but uh, they were coming off the failure of the Virtual Boy. Um, and they actually had plans to release it in the U.S., but they never actually came to fruition because, uh, you know, nobody bought, <laughs> nobody bought it, despite the fact that they were still making games for it um, a few years after. Um, and as far as, like, the profit that Nintendo was making, I kind of looked at this from, like, a financial view. Uh, their profits had actually dipped down in 1995, probably due to the fact that uh, PlayStation, you know, had just made a competing console and also that the price of the yen had dropped uh, compared to the dollar. So like one dollar instead of being worth 100 yen, which is, you know, it's like a prox- like a yen is approximately a cent. Uh, it had actually dropped. So they're actually losing money uh, in foreign markets. So I mm. thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the Super Nintendo came out in 91, I think, in America. And then the Game Boy was still kind of pumping games out, but it was getting, you know, at this point, 1995, it was six years old. So it makes sense. And then also Sega's history with the Saturn was absolutely fascinating as well. But like that whole shindig of like <laughs> the bad decisions that they made took place at E3, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, in 1995 where they the Saturn was so like unbelievable like handled so unbelievably poorly and then it was $400 for that system and then Sony was like yo you can get our PlayStation for like way less than that and then it just totally destroyed yeah. them it was incredible but yeah like you said we don't have to go into it it could probably be its own episode honestly yeah uh, and we talk about it a little bit more later in the episode um, yeah, fascinating would you stuff. say that would you say gaming as a culture was doing well was it thriving in 1996 um, start us For off with that sure obviously gaming was popular in the 80s but I think it became super super popular like especially home consoles uh, in the 90s it started to like really explode like the the technology was getting better and better people are saying the gap between like the uh, SNES and the Nintendo 64 was like the biggest technology gap in uh, gaming in general, which I think is kind of fascinating, especially because we kind of sort of maybe lived through that a little bit. But yeah, the, the characters that you saw on screen actually looked like characters. You know, when you're playing football, it actually looked like you were playing football rather than just like fucking dots <laughs> moving around on a right. screen, you know, with lines. <laughs> And sound started to be more than just beep, boop, beep, beep, boop. It actually had, like, composed music and, like, characters and voice acting. And I thought it's just incredible how all these people were drawn into this cool stuff because it was actually, like, represented real world. So, yeah, for sure. I, I think you can tell how well it was thriving by how many different consoles were out at this time. Um, the, the people... You know, people were really into video games, and a lot of companies were trying to take advantage of that, obviously, because they like money. Um, to give you an idea of the consoles that were out at this point, the PlayStation 1. So this is late 1995. PlayStation, Super Nintendo. Let me clarify. This is consoles that are out and games are still releasing. PlayStation, Super Nintendo, Virtual Boy, Genesis, along with the Nomad, which is just a portable Genesis. You've got the 32X Sega CD Saturn. You've got the Neo Geo AES. You've got the Game Boy, the Game Gear. You have the 3DO, the CDI. You have the freaking R-Zone, the Jaguar CD, and then all the stuff that's coming out on PC. <laughs> that was like 15 things I just listed. 
Wow. Even I didn't know there were that many. Dang. I mean, it's it's it really was a crazy time. And and I mean, when you compare that to today, where we just have three plus PC, it's insane. That is a very good point. And to kind of continue that point a little bit, because there was so much competition, it breeds like innovation and creativity among these big companies. So there was the market was so flooded with all these console, consoles and all these games that companies kept having to make further innovations, make their games bigger, brighter, you know, appeal more to kids. It just it, That's it, very true. it offered a lot of different audiences, a lot of different games because they wanted you to play them on theirs and not competitors. Nintendo really owned the handheld market at this point um, because Game Gear games were being made. I can't imagine, I guess I didn't really look up like Game Gear sales in 95 or 96, but I can't imagine it was very, <laughs> very much. Uh, and then the Atari Lynx was discontinued as well. So it really was just the Game Boy. And we'll see a little bit of revival for the Game Boy as we get into the monthly breakdown. Yeah, for but, sure. Yeah, I guess the culture itself, to go more into that, you know, you had huge events at this point where E3 in 1995, over 50,000 people are there in Los Angeles, one of the most important cities in the world. Um, It wasn't, I feel like I read some articles and it wasn't really just a quick little experience anymore. You know, you played an hour of your freaking nintendo and then you went on with your <laughs> life it was like there were quote-unquote hardcore gamers all of a sudden that's awesome um you had entire companies journalist companies dedicated to video games as a medium of entertainment you've got ign popping up around this time games were becoming longer stories were being told you know the groundwork was being laid for the type of stuff that you see in final fantasy 7 and metal gear solid in the coming years so yeah i mean i i think i've probably said this before but video games are literally art and they're starting to be treated as art even more and more as we get into this mid 90s late 90s here and it's just awesome. You mentioned the music specifically, you know, with a CD, you're able to do so much more with the music. And mm-hmm. it's it's really awesome what they can do and what they have done. Yeah, I agree. And they're continuing to do. Absolutely. And just one more point for the culture of video games thriving. Um, you know, you see a lot more TV shows for video games. And you're seeing toys constantly. There were... To name a few series that were running that started in 1995, you had Street Fighter, and then somehow there was a Darkstalkers television show. I can understand Street Fighter, but Capcom really said, you know what, we need a Darkstalkers television show for children. I feel like all those characters are half naked, but I don't know. It was the 90s, Uh, come on. (laughs) And then, of course, Earthworm Jim had a freaking show. I kind of want to see that for myself. Oh, man. I didn't know that. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to try to talk about the the next one here, the renting and just the scene setting? Sure. I totally can. Okay. Close your eyes. Okay. Come with me on this Close. journey back to 1996. Okay. So you're a kid, right? You walk into Toys R Us, you see the giant Jeffrey the giraffe mural on the ground with his like dopey <laughs> smile. And they're just rows 
in rows and rows, endless rows of games lining their shelves in every possible color you could imagine. N64, SNES, PlayStation, Genesis, Game Gear games are sitting there in pristine cardboard boxes and cases just waiting to be played. There's at least three home consoles hooked up to CRTs playing some tantalizing sounds as it plays a sizzle reel of all the available games you can purchase today. All you have to do <laughs> is reach out and pick up that controller and jump into the fun, right? And of course, can't forget, there's also Game Boys and Game Boy Pockets galore in all of their glorious colors. The reds, the blues, the greens, all of it. And of course, right next to them are all the Game Boy games in those nice glass cases. Why can't that be us now? You know? <laughs> and I remember that. I obviously wasn't born then, but I remember seeing those in probably the early 2000s by the time that I remembered it. But there's just games everywhere. All over the place. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, I was looking at some of the advertisements and stuff, and they were so colorful and cool. None of this, like, minimalist, you know, on-white background bullshit that we have now, but they were popped and they were for kids, geared toward kids, obviously, because kids would see them and be like, oh my god, this is so cool, mom, buy me this. But anyway, there's all those random, like, triangles and circle squiggles, you know what I'm talking about, that, like, the 90s designers loved. Oh, Yeah. The colors that just kind of popped out of you. And page after page was just games that you could buy. Sale here. There's a sale over here. Oh, this one's only $5. Oh, this one's $75. But look how cool it is. You know, it was basically just a giant catalog. It's awesome. Yep. Um, I'm sure anyone listening that was alive can attest to this. You're probably making people feel very nostalgic right now. <laughs> and then I also mentioned Blockbuster because... You know, it's the 90s. But anyway, while researching this, I, I read a few, like, personal accounts of Blockbuster stores who actually, like, people remembering that they used to rent out games as early as the 80s, which I didn't know that. Um, hmm. So you could definitely bet they were doing it in the N64 era. Um, do you remember Blockbuster or no? Yeah, I was going to ask if you did any renting in your days. Oh, yeah. So there used to be a Blockbuster in the plaza right next to my elementary school. And my mom was an elementary school teacher, so we kind of always go over there. And every time I used to go, my dad used to take us a lot after school. It was like a Friday thing. We'd get Slurpees in the morning from 7-Eleven, and then we'd go to school, and then we'd get to go to Blockbuster after. Um, and every time we went in there, I always used to grab the freaking Yu-Gi-Oh! VHS and make my parents watch it. And they're like, girl, <laughs> you can do this like maybe twice a year. <laughs> like... I was making my parents watch Yu-Gi-Oh! Because there are so many of them. Um, but yeah. I, That's awesome. I, don't, I never rented any games, though. I, I, didn't, I didn't think I was really into gaming at that point. Or maybe I just wasn't conscious that they rented them. I'm not sure. Maybe my Blockbuster didn't. I, I, I don't know. I think my family was more of a Hollywood video family. Um, I, in my mind, I can't distinguish the two of them. I know that one of them had a Game Crazy built next to it. Um, I think that was Hollywood video, but yeah, I did a lot of renting. I had a lot of renting on the N64 and a little bit on the GameCube and, um, yeah, big part of my childhood, lots of fond memories there. Specifically remember getting Mario Golf to play with my dad <laughs> on countless occasions for the N64. Nice. No, I don't remember Hollywood video or if Florida had them. 
or at least in Southwood where I live. So I don't know. Could be, but no, I definitely remember Blockbuster. It was a magical yeah. experience. Anyway, so I know you've seen these on Instagram because I've seen them. They're the uh, N64 like Blockbuster hard cases. They're like gray black cases, and you could actually oh, yeah. it seems rent the entire system. So they were huge, yeah. huge clunky cases. They fit the console and two controllers. And then, of course, you get games there as well. But I guess people, either when Blockbuster went out of business, people bought them or they stole them and kept them after they ran them. <laughs> I don't know, but there's tons all over the internet. And they're pretty cool. Yeah, those are neat. I can't imagine renting an entire console. That's pretty crazy. And they just, like, let you take it home. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> It's a different time back there in the 90s. And then the other section we have here is toys. And I scoured the internet looking for like, you remember those gold-plated Pokemon cards that Burger King oh, had? Yeah. Like those obviously didn't come out too much, much later. But I couldn't find anything like that from specifically 1996. There was like 2001, 2002, like Nintendo toys, but nothing from 1996. But I'm sure they're out there. I just couldn't find any yeah. record of them. I'm sure there was some Pokemon stuff later in the year, maybe at McDonald's or something, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I just could not find any record of it. And then the last thing I have kind of under scene setting is the magazines. So, obviously, the big one that sticks out in everyone's mind is Nintendo Power. Um, They, I did not realize this, but they started back in, like, 1988, and they ran until 2012. Yeah. That's a long time. So, of course, they were still running issues in 1996. Um, and if you're not familiar, but I'm sure you are, these are the kinds of magazines that are basically just giant advertisements for whatever latest and greatest Nintendo game was going to come out. Geared towards kids, obviously, so they'd show it to their parents and be like, Mommy, Mommy, I want this. Um, they were colorful, they were bright, they would show off, like, story concepts and screenshots and new characters and stuff that are going to be featured in the games. Um, and the coolest thing that I love is that the screenshots that some of the screenshots that they actually show were like from the beta version of the game or something Mm. that they it was like really really early on in development and then later on they just decided not to use that element at all and it kind of spiraled these rumors about things being in the game that are hidden or like you have to do this you have to like punch the left and right and do some special move or whatever and then you clip into a wall or something like that it just spread all these rampant rumors you know what i'm talking about yeah absolutely and a lot of games would have um different names in the the magazines as well than what they Mm -hmm. ended up coming out as yeah yeah you're totally right the only example i can give it's not from 1996 but it's close to around there is they were giving or they were showing screenshots of ocarina of time uh and there was this picture that showed link standing in front of uh, a fountain and there's three giant horse heads that like statues sticking out and so everyone was, it's, it was deemed the unicorn fountain. And everyone was convinced that if you clip through a wall, you could see this fountain and you'll like get the Triforce immediately. And it was like, that was not <laughs> true at all. It was probably just like an early beta version of the fairy fountains, which are actually in the game. That's just so fascinating. Yeah. And then let's see, they also showed off like Pokemon cards, of course, because Pokemon cards were selling like crazy during then during this time and then also like pages of manga and stuff all cool stuff that's all i got so nintendo power had pokemon card advertisements that's interesting Mm -hmm. um i guess you're not looking specifically at 1996 no i wasn't i couldn't 
I saw the covers of some of the 1996 ones, but they didn't have, like, a... I couldn't find, like, a page-by-page view, you know what I'm saying? You gotcha. I'm sure they're I'm out sure there. I'm sure it's but... out there. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of did some research on some technological innovations, some cool technology during the late 95, early 96 era. Um, the biggest thing is everything changed with with Windows 95 in 1995. It was the operating system that was designed for the commoner rather than just the tech geeks. You know, it was for the everyday PC user where previously <laughs> mm-hmm. it had really been more for, oh, well, I don't know. I don't want to misspeak here, but, you know, the tech geeks is the best way I can put it. Um, <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people like us made getting um, Windows ninety five made getting on the internet way easier. Uh, it also made popping a CD into your CD disk drive, installing and playing a game super duper easy. That is certainly the biggest innovation probably of the entire nineteen nineties. Mm-hmm. Virtual reality. We have a whole episode on it, but it was really starting to come to the forefront in nineteen ninety five and. Um, like Hannah mentioned, the Virtual Boy released in 1995. Mm-hmm. In 1996, do you know what we got, Hannah? In November, it was <gasps> the freaking Tamagotchi. <gasps> Whoa. Uh, just wanted to mention that. I have no experience only, with Tamagotchi. It was only in Japan, though, right? It didn't come to the U.S. until the next year. Oh, dang it. I don't know. I didn't see that, but still. You never had a Tamagotchi? Uh Uh-uh. Wow. I'm so sad for you. (laughs) Actually, I had a Tamagotchi when I was little, and of course I lost it, as most kids do. But then, do you know the brand Lilith's Pet Shop? Yeah. The little, cute, little, like, big-headed animals? They also came out with something very, very similar to that. And I had one of those. And that was, like, the coolest thing. But that didn't come until much, much later. I had Nintendogs. That's pretty much the same thing. Mm, no <laughs> not even close my girlfriend just downloaded an app on her phone that's very similar to tamagotchi and she's been pretty hooked on that and it does not it's... look enjoyable to me <laughs> it's addicting man <laughs> uh, a few big games that closed out the year from 1995 we had donkey kong country 2 um, we had Twisted Metal. We had Worms on PC, I believe. You have Worms? And we had, <laughs> and we had Time Crisis in the arcades. Um, I don't know. I feel like most of the big games from 1995 were earlier in the year. Um, the final quarter was a little disappointing from what I was seeing, at least here in North America. Mm-hmm. Consoles. We already went over all the consoles that were out during this time. Um, yeah, I think we're ready to get into the monthly breakdown unless you have anything else. The only thing I want to add that we should have said at the top of the show is we kind of mostly focus on stuff in North America. Um, Oh, yeah. So we, all the release dates, a lot of them are scattered between like Japan was this year, but the United States didn't get to the next year, blah, blah, blah. But we only focus on North American releases. Unless, of course, our Wikipedia pages were wrong. (laughs) We happened to mention one that wasn't released in 96, but... Yeah, that's a good point. Um, definitely wanted to mention that and forgot, but we're definitely talking about games that released in North America in 1996. So there is a lot of stuff you'll see on like Wikipedia that says it came out in 96, but chances are ma- majority of it, if you don't hear it here, is 
did not release until 97 because japan mm-hmm. always gets the cool stuff first or they used to for sure <laughs> um yeah so yeah um let's do it so we're gonna break down our games by console and we're gonna just go in order chronologically obviously but starting with january um we had a few big games we had duke nukem 3d release on the pc notable for helping to bring first person shooters into the mainstream this is up there with doom and quake and all kinds of pc first person shooters Uh, We had Super Nintendo Mega Man X3, which would close out the X Trilogy on Super Nintendo. And then we also... This was the first time that you could play as Zero in the Mega Man games, although it was kind of limited. Wait, who's Zero? Uh, He's just another Mega Dude. I honestly have no (laughs) idea, Hannah. (laughs) Sick. He's Red, okay? He's the Red Mega Man. (laughs) Oh, duh. Okay. (laughs) on the playstation we have the die hard trilogy and i have always wondered about this one so i'm glad that we got to cover it because i looked into it a little bit um but this one people talk about this one all the time and it just seems weird to me that i'm like what is it like three games from the nes or something but no it's like a full-on game about the three movies that had three different genres one based on each movie so one game is a third person shooter one is a light gun shooter and one is a driving game so (laughs) whatever you're into this was your game if you like die hard that is actually really cool i like that i have only seen the first movie but yeah i mean if i ever pick this one up i would love to check it out that's the trilogy the bruce willis right (laughs) yeah okay good that's to say something stupid Um, (laughs) did you see anything important in february so february is a pretty short month um no games but eight days right yeah unless it's a leap year (laughs) was 96 a leap year oh no doesn't matter (laughs) so the only thing i have is a notable uh thing that happened so blizzard entertainment acquires a group known as condor and renames it blizzard north which is known for the diablo series so yay oh there you go and that's it (laughs) (laughs) pretty weak month there but we move into march um the only event notable that we researched was south peak games was formed and Mm -hmm. that's only slightly relevant to this entire youtube channel because of mushroom men um this company would like one of the last games they published in their final years was mushroom men and there's a super interesting variant on wii so go check that out but um the only game they released in 1996 was virtual jigsaw on pc and really not much else to say they did not do a whole lot of notable stuff in their 25 year career over there at south peak games i'm sorry 15 year career um but yeah they they did publish a few good games there's like that 3d dot heroes game that people love on ps3 Mm -hmm. Uh, i saw a couple more but yeah really not a super spectacular company (laughs) but let's get into the games (laughs) let's get into the games the super nintendo in march of 95 here in north america 
96. I know everyone. 96. I know everyone loves Super Mario RPG, the Squaresoft plus Nintendo RPG title that still holds up very well, apparently. I've not played too much of it myself. Shame. And then, of course, it would later be followed up by Paper Mario and mm-hmm. lots more Paper Mario. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Over on the personal computer, you had Sid Meier's Civ 2, Civilization 2, which is... I did not even write it down. I believe it's a real-time strategy. I didn't write down which strategy game type it is, but it's one of those strategy <laughs> games that is still making games today that people freaking love. Sid Meier's mm-hmm. Civilization 6 came out recently. Um, but yeah, this game would release on the PS1 the following year. We got Sega Saturn with Guardian Heroes. This is an awesome beat-em-up I want to own one day. I have the... I don't know if it's a remaster, remake, but... Uh, for those of you interested in a cheaper way to play Guardian Heroes, go grab it digitally on the Xbox Marketplace. There's a pretty cool version there. It has online co-op and everything. Um, yeah. Sega Saturn. Yes. And then multi-platform releases. We had Street Fighter Alpha 2. It's kind of weird to think that like a game like this would be released on the Super Nintendo and the PlayStation. Because in my mind, those are like two completely different um, eras, but they're mm-hmm. they're really not. It's crazy that there's an overlap there. It's also crazy that the technology was so much different. Like, you know it was better on the PlayStation, but like, you know. <laughs> right. And I don't know how different the two versions are. I imagine pretty darn different, but yeah. Also, it was in arcades, which I'm sure is the definitive way to play that. That's sweet. And then, hey, the biggest, one of the biggest games of the year, Resident Evil releases in March. Not the first survival horror game, but definitely the one that defined the genre and propelled it into what we have today. Um, every single year, I feel like one or two Resident Evils comes out. It is definitely... <laughs> so confusing. <laughs> one of Capcom's, um, I don't know, cash cows for sure definitely so confusing what's going on in april so the next month is april and we have panzer dragoon 2 zwee <laughs> or zwei i think <laughs> it's actually pronounced um but it's a saturn game it is the second entry in the panzer dragoon series and it's actually a prequel to the first game which i didn't know i guess maybe that's oh, what zwee means or zwei zwee maybe <laughs> it's a railgun shooter with dragons how cool it was developed by Sega's team Andromeda, which I think is just a sick-ass name, Heck who yeah. also worked on the first three games of the series. And a remake of this game is apparently in the works from undisclosed for undisclosed consoles from the same studio who did the remake of the first one that came out three years, in 2020, four years ago, something like that. Did not know that. I'm pretty sure yep. people don't... I don't know. I, I don't think people like the first remake. Oh. Well, that's a shame. <laughs> that's a shame. <laughs> well, you're getting another one from the same studio. <laughs> anyway, the next game is Metal Slug. It's a run-and-gun arcade game released by SNK for the Neo Geo. Um, players and critics p- praise the game for its sense of humor and its unique, fluid, hand-drawn animation, which I thought was really cool. Have you ever seen what it looks like? Oh yeah, Metal Slug's great. 
it's very pretty. I've never played it, but it's pretty cool. And uh, I feel that's like, all I got. I feel like anytime I see Neo Geo sprite work, it's just so nice and so colorful. It's so impressive. Yeah. Too bad the games are so dang expensive. Right. But yeah, that's um, all I got. Let's head into May. There's an event that got canceled this year called E3, but let me oh, tell no. you, in 1996, it was still huge. Um, this event was focused on PS1 versus Saturn, really. It was it was a big Sony Ooh. versus Sega event this year and the previous year because uh, you mentioned this, but literally the dude from Sony <laughs> watched Sega's he watched Sega's presentation. And then when it was his turn to go up, I think it was Olaf Olafson. He walks up to the mic and he's like, two ninety nine. And then that was it. He literally got off the stage, and there was so much applause, and it was insane. I mean, let's just be real. Four hundred dollars now seems <laughs> absurd for a console. I can't right. even imagine back then. People are like, heck yeah, let's go to the store and get a four hundred dollar system. Crazy. So, in 1996, Sony announced a price drop on day one. They went first this time at E3. And (laughs) um, they announced a price drop for the PS1. And then, later that weekend, Sega had to drop the price of the Saturn in order to stay relevant. So, they did. uh, Which I just imagine, like, there must have been a lot of phone calls back and forth from Sega of Japan to America. And they're just like, hey, listen, we got to drop this. You have no idea what Sony just announced. Like, we got to freaking drop this console price. Oh, man, Um, the pressure must have been on. Yeah, honestly. Um, But, hey, Nintendo was here. And they had been talking about this new console, the Ultra 64, since February of 1996. And... And now it's finally revealed to be the Nintendo 64, and they're here crashing the party on Sony and Sega, and they brought the N64. People can play it, and the best part is everyone was able to play Super Mario 64 as well. So, I I honestly, I feel like Nintendo 64 took the cake. I'm going to go through all the games that, or I'm going to go through the big games that got listed from, um, like, all the companies real quick, but Mm -hmm. you'll see that... Wave Race 64, Mario 64, Super Mario Kart R, which was later Mario Kart 64, Star Fox 64, Pilot Wings 64, GoldenEye 64, no, I'm kidding, that one's GoldenEye <laughs> 007, um, Star Wars Shadow of the Empire, and Kirby's Air Ride were all shown <gasps> off. Kirby Air Ride! And, yeah, so I think future episode, maybe, we should write this down, but Kirby's Air Ride was definitely planned for the N64, so that might be fun to look into. Dang. Ugh. What I... Yeah, see, if I go back to then, when I was playing N64 as a kid, what my parents have bought me, Air Ride on the Nintendo 64. <laughs> I could have enjoyed it that much earlier. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, so my, I mean, I feel like Mario 64 stole the show, but let's look at the Sega side of things. We had Sonic Extreme, which they were pushing incredibly hard, and you know they didn't spell extreme the right way. It was X Dream <laughs> because it was oh, the 90s. No. <laughs> um, it was supposed to come to Saturn and PC, ended up getting canceled, which was. I don't know, probably awful. Just another nail in the coffin for Sega. 
devastating. Meanwhile, the 32X was nowhere to be found at this event, despite it being their big headliner at E3 1995. Crazy. Poor Sega. Nights into Dreams was a big one for Sega as well at this E3. Luckily, that one did not get canceled. They showed off the Sega Netlink for Saturn, which would allow you to play video games online. And then... Other big games Sega announced and showed off. Sonic the Fighters, which is an arcade fighting game. I think it did get a Saturn release in Japan. There's Guardian Heroes. Wait a minute. Oh, so they showed Guardian Heroes even though it had already released. I didn't even realize that. Wait a Um, minute. (laughs) (laughs) Legend of Oasis, which we'll talk about later. Panzer Dragoon 2. Virtua Fighter 3 and Shining Wisdom. Um, pretty solid lineup, but honestly, people had just lost so much faith in Sega, I think, and it just, it was just not going well for Sega, as we all know. Uh, rest in peace. Over there at Sony, they didn't have a lot to show. They showed Crash, they showed Twisted Metal 2, and Toe Ball number 1, all PlayStation exclusives, and... The heck, wait, hold on, I what mean, the heck that was that? I know. I don't know what it is. I've, I almost threw it on our list, but I was like, "What the heck is this? I don't know what this is," and I ended up removing it from the list. So, oh, I just don't on. think it's like worth mentioning. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, Crash and Twisted Metal two, pretty heavy, pretty good. But I feel like Super Mario sixty four has really taken the cake at this E three, and I just think that's interesting because going into it, it was all about Sega and Sony. Do you happen... I'm sure you don't, but do you happen to know who went first at this presentation? Out of Sega and Sony, it was Sony. I don't know when Nintendo went. Because you just imagine Nintendo just blowing out of the water and then everyone forgetting what Sony and Sega had shown off. Because <laughs> I feel yeah. like they do that now. <laughs> I'm sure people were very concerned about the cartridge choice um, when people were you know playstation had been out for a year and already had discs um that's true but i don't think it mattered when they played mario 64 no i think all of those doubts vanished when they actually saw the gameplay how cool man can you imagine being there with fifty thousand people that would have been so freaking awesome to attend oh that would have been great but too bad e3 is dead now and forevermore (laughs) what what um other interesting appearances nope we're not done with may Um, oh my gosh may is packed a few things that i thought were interesting ghost rider there was a ghost rider game planned for ps1 that never came out developed by crystal dynamics there was rayman 2 there's a whole story about that game that was um canceled it was supposed to come out for saturn and it was shown at this e3 but eventually got canceled um and obviously became it, it was a 2D platformer sequel to the original Rayman, so the Rayman 2 that we did end up getting wouldn't be out until 1999, and it was a 3D <gasps> platformer. Wow. And then Konami showed... No one's going to care about this, but I put it down anyway. Konami <laughs> showed a Pinky in the Brain game for Saturn and PS1 Whoa. that got canceled. No way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then... That was all E3. The one game that I thought was worth mentioning for May that did release was Kirby's Block Ball, which is a Game Boy title. Um, It is a breakout clone 
and it's got some of Kirby's copy abilities in it, so I'm sure it's just a small step above Breakout. <laughs> I was about to say I have no idea what that is, even though we did a whole Kirby episode that's like two and a half hours. Right. <laughs> now that you say Breakout clone, I remember it. I know it might have to be a while before we look into Kirby's air ride for the podcast. <laughs> we just <laughs> we're still so exhausted from Kirby. Oh yeah, you're right. Well, I always love some Kirby. Everyone loves some Kirby, man. Come on. All right, take us to June. Now we're in June. So the first thing we have is Quake, a first-person shooter released on the MS-DOS Windows and Linux, which is super exciting, right? Developed by ID Software, who worked on Doom, Wolfenstein, and Rage. Uh, It built upon the tech of Doom, but the Quake engine added full-time, full real-time 3D rendering. So that's pretty neato. Next, it is we have... uh, one of the most important games of its era, and it's pronounced id software, believe it or not. Id? Yeah, I don't know why. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I don't even know what id means, but... Id software, duh. It's the software. Well, <laughs> alright. I will change that every time I say it. So, the next thing we have is Final Doom, which you actually sent me this, but I, my research... I did not see this, but it was actually a fan-made project set to be released free online. But a few days later before it dropped, id Software acquired (laughs) the game and worked together with the creators to release the game on PC and later on the PlayStation. That's awesome. It is pretty cool. It reminds me of like like Sonic Mania in more recent times. Yeah, that's a really good example. But they're like, hey, we can make some money off of this. You want some money? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, they're like, heck yeah, you want some money? But anyway... The PlayStation version included a mixture of levels from the master levels for Doom 2 and Final Doom missions. I'm not sure what that means, but if you're a Doom fan, you do. (laughs) Next, we have another freaking confusing series, but it's Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. So don't even ask me what the difference between all the Mortal Kombats are, or even like the Street Fighters. Those are confusing as heck too, but anyway... (laughs) <laughs> this is a console port of the arcade game from the previous year. It's a standalone update of the 1995 uh, Mortal Kombat 3's release with updated features and the addition of the characters Katana and Scorpion. So that's fun. Yeah, I have like no, I have minimal Mortal Kombat experience. I have just never been interested. I, when, when I was younger, my brother and my cousin used to play this game on the Nintendo 64 all the time. And I remember thinking it was kind of scary because the music is kind of like ominous and like all the moves are like bloody and gory and you're literally beating the shit out of people. But the coolest (laughs) thing, and we used to get so excited is, I don't even know if it's like a special move or like a a final move or whatever, but you like, like uppercut the person into like the next floor above. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it just like... Right, it's the the finishing Blew our minds. It blew our minds because there's so many different floors that you could like punch the person up to. It was incredible. The Fatality, that's what they call it. Fatality, yeah, that's exactly what it's called, but it was so cool. Um, Also, it was kind of scary, though. (laughs) The next game we have is Shining Wisdom, which I think you mentioned earlier. It's an action-adventure game for the Sega Saturn. It's the last game in the Shining series to be developed for the Genesis, but was reworked for the Saturn late in its development. So that's interesting. Uh, The only entry into the series to completely abandon the multi-character RPG format entirely. So it's kind of different than all the other games in the series. Mm -hmm. 
I have a fun fact. Um, it was developed by Sonic Software Planning, which I'm sure no one knows. Um, <laughs> what? But that the reason I'm bringing that up is because they later became Camelot, who made Golden Sun and a bunch of the Mario Sports titles, and they're responsible for making Waluigi. <laughs> really? Camelot stuff, yeah. What do they just designed him? Yeah, I think uh, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how, you know, they they wanted to have Mario and Luigi along with Peach and Daisy. And then Wario already existed from the Game Boy. And so we needed like a fourth dude. And so they made Waluigi. And <laughs> then that was it. Yeah. That is totally awesome. I did not know that. That's cool. Um, the other notable thing I have is Fur Access, which this game, uh, this title, or a uh, company name took me like 20 minutes to figure out how to say it but i think it's for access <laughs> games is formed by jeff briggs and sid meyer and brian reynolds which you mentioned earlier sid meyer is known for the civilization games um mm. they were later acquired by take two interactive in 2005 and then became part of the publishers 2k which is just like acquisition after transformation after acquisition it's crazy <laughs> and all in the research that i was doing all of these companies are either like bought out or like they go out, but then, or they go out of business, but then, like, the CEO or, like, whatever the main developer goes on to create this other company, which is then acquired by this, and blah, 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 blah. It's so crazy. The business world is crazy. Yeah. Anyway, they're best known for developing the Civilization game, which I just said, and the XCOM series. So, important. Definitely important. Um, moving into July. Mm-hmm. We got Sega Saturn releases exclusively for July that are worth mentioning here. But The Legend of Oasis, I mentioned it earlier. They shared it at E3. This is an action RPG published by Sega for Saturn. Um, It's a sequel to the Genesis game Beyond Oasis, which I am sure neither of us have ever even played. I've never played it, but I know it. Heck yeah. Um... Virtua Fighter Kids also released in July for the Saturn. It's basically just a different version of Virtua Fighter 2, except the characters are made to look like children and have giant heads. I was about to say, um, are we fighting beating up kids now? <laughs> I have two amazing facts. Um, well, one of them is a quote from Wikipedia. It says, Despite <laughs> being children, some of the fighters retain the adult characteristics of their Virtua Fighter 2 <laughs> counterparts, such as facial hair, muscles, oh. and breasts. Oh, <laughs> oh gross. Um, yeah, I don't think they made them look like kids too much. They just shrunk them down and made their heads oversized. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention is this game is called Virtua Fighter Kids, and it is rated T for teen. So good job, Sega. Wow, all around great work. <laughs> I'm sure that the the T for teen is because of the facial hair, muscles, and breasts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're probably right. That's awesome. That's all right, it August. For July. Yeah. Moving on to August, we have Tekken Two, which is an arcade release. Uh, or our, the arcade release was the previous year, and it was ported to PlayStation. Uh, you know, it's a classic fighter game. Beat people up. You know. Uh, it was a big hit worldwide, selling over 1 million copies in four months. That's a lot. Even by, like, today's standards. Man. And it generally received 9s, 9.5 out of 10. So, you know, it was pretty well received by everybody. 
Then the next one we have is Nights into Dreams, which is that action game you mentioned earlier or highly debated action game (laughs) from our genres episode (laughs) with the purple character with like long flappy ear thingies who like flies and loops in the air. Yeah, that one. Um, Released for the Saturn. It was praised for its graphics and its flight mechanics. I never played it, but it does seem to be pretty smooth sailing or flying. Yeah, it looks pretty relaxing. I've never played it either. Then next we have Jumping Flash! Exclamation point two. Uh, This game is about (laughs) a robotic rabbit robot, (laughs) which I had to write from Wikipedia because I was like, that's great. As he searches for lost Mew Mews, which are cute, like, Japanese-ified octopus-looking aliens that are scattered throughout the lands. It's a first-person shooter platform game. That's your thing. I, like, have never heard a single person talk about Jumping Flash, but the first game definitely made it onto the the PS1 Mini. Like, it was some kind of, I don't know, iconic game that had to be (laughs) on there. Well, it was good enough that I got a second one, so... (laughs) (laughs) Then, finally for games, we have Tetris Attack. So this was released for both the Super Nintendo and the Game Boy. Uh, The Super Nintendo released first, and then the Game Boy version was released. This game, which I did not know this, is called Panel to Pawn in Japan. Um, But this game is also kind of the start of the Puzzle League series. Well, I was watching gameplay of it just because I was curious. I was like, this game looks exactly like freaking Pokemon Puzzle League. So, of course, I looked it up. And it's actually part of the Puzzle League series, which is why it looks so... It's got, like, the same bright blocks and, like, the same sprite-looking things. But, of course, the Pokemon Puzzle League just has, like, a Pokemon skin on it which I'm sure it's exactly the same game. Um, But yeah, it's cool. So it's in the same series. And there's also, in addition to Pokemon Puzzle League, Pokemon Puzzle Challenge, which is a Game Boy Color game, I believe. Same concept, same with Dr. Mario and Puzzle League. And even an Animal Crossing mini game uh, included in the Welcome Amiibo expansion in New Leaf. So pretty neato. You know, this is one of my very first video games ever, Tetris Attack on the Super Nintendo. And did you play the heck out of it? Was it super addicting? Uh, I played a bit of it, but you honestly just taught me so much about it. I didn't know that it was similar to Pokemon Puzzle League and, you know, the Puzzle League series, so that's pretty neat. So yeah, the gameplay differs from, like, normal Tetris. Instead of, like, trying to fit pieces together, you're, like, trying to clear blocks by making by like switching them around so like three blocks together cancels out and then it disappears and then you get points stuff like that i don't know if i described it very well but anyway the only notable event i have for what are we in august is quake con which is named after the game quake it was the first year that this con took place and i think it's still taking place now i think so almost 30 years later um It's a yearly con to promote and celebrate id Software's major franchises and other studios owned by ZeniMax, like Quake, Doom, and Rage. Uh, It took place in Garland, Texas, which, by the way, I was looking up a bunch of developers. There are so many in Texas, it's not even funny. Like, they're all in Texas. They're all founded in Texas. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Started with around 30 people and then grew over to 100 participants in the first weekend as the news of the event spread on the internet. And now it hosts, like, thousands of people, I assume. I would also assume. And 
on Wikipedia, it was described as the Woodstock of the gaming convention world. So, <laughs> super peaceful, just nerds doing nerdy things, you know? <laughs> oh, and then Love one more it. thing. Valve is founded. So they are responsible for Steam and games like Half-Life, Counter-Strike, Portal, Left 4 Dead, and Dota. There you well, go. that is very, very notable. Good call. All the way, all the way back in 1996. Uh, all right, September is an insane month. the The rest of the year is pretty insane for yeah, video games here. Whew. So get ready. Get ready. So starting off with Sega World London opens up in indoor theme park. This is obviously in London, but um. This, we mentioned this, we should have mentioned this, I don't know if we did in the VR episode, but this is one of these buildings that Sega opens up that has a bunch of like VR rides in it. Uh, it was not super successful and <laughs> they ended up like leasing it out to a, another local arcade or something. I don't know, it, it wasn't very successful, at least this one specifically. Well, Sega can't even keep open a giant arcade in <laughs> the middle of, what is it, Akihabara, Japan? Even that hey, closed that down. was open for a long time. You're right. That's literally the longest thing Sega's ever done. <laughs> uh, the Game Boy Pop... Okay, so here's where it gets crazy. On September 3rd, assuming Wikipedia has the date correct, which is assuming a lot, but the Game Boy Pocket launches, okay, September 3rd. Do you know what else launched in September? Can you imagine... Mm. <laughs> Why they would say in the same month, hey, give us like, I don't know, $150, $200 for this Game Boy Pocket. And then while you're at it, save up your next paycheck because the 64-bit console is coming out. The Nintendo 64 <laughs> launches on September 29th, 1996. And I just can't imagine why, but they, <laughs> they did do both of those things at the same time. And when you look at the launch titles, there were like six, there was like eight games supposed to come out, and six of them all got delayed. Oof. And so you're left with Super Mario 64 and Pilot Wing 64. Okay, um, you're not left with, okay, you get the graces of playing Super Mario 64. <laughs> <laughs> what about Pilot Wings, Hannah? I've literally never picked that up in my life. <laughs> yeah, I can't talk trash, but I'm sure it's no Mario 64. No. Um, yeah, so I think if you had started with two games and one of them wasn't Mario 64, then we might not be sitting here talking about the N64 so much. Like, I feel like it could have gone bad if this game wasn't such a powerhouse. Um, yeah, you're right. Definitely right. It probably just funneled people into Mario 64 even more, which was very lucky. You know, people that were thinking about getting the console and wanted... I don't even remember. There was like a Star Wars game. People that wanted anything but Mario 64 had to decide, do I want Pilot Wings or Mario? And they got Mario, and it probably worked out for the best. Um, you know, there's some salty people out there, though, that picked Pilot Wings instead. <laughs> <laughs> Losers. Um, Wave Race 64 is among the ones that ended up getting delayed. However, this one did come out in 96. We'll talk about it later. Um, so here alongside the Game Boy Pockets, we have Pokemon Red and Blue coming out. So I know no one had any idea what kind of, I don't know, groundbreaking stuff Pokemon would be at this point. 
but just we've already got two new <laughs> consoles we've got a handheld and a console that released this month and then pokemon red and blue <laughs> comes out in the same month what are you Dude. the world must be going insane we must have had some just uh, some spare money laying around <laughs> i mean this isn't even like the holiday window you know like i'm sure a lot <laughs> of these people like it's like october and november not even october november is when you should have been releasing something um but uh, it's just insane it's absolutely insane to me it is insane. Um, they had to make they had to cover all literally all of the bases that they could <laughs> and then if that wasn't enough we got kirby superstar which ended up being like one of the most popular super nintendo games <laughs> certainly one of the most popular kirby games oh, um in the same month what is going on here that is i who was in charge of this i mean really <laughs> um and then i just on the nintendo topic there was also donkey kong land 2 which i'm sure got heavily overshadowed by everything else i just mentioned probably um probably and then we're not even done yet this is also part of the insanity Wipeout XL comes out on the PlayStation. That's pretty popular. I'm sure it got overshadowed, but it's a pretty popular F-Zero-like racing game, except it has weapons and items. Um, it's not, I don't know if I said PS1 exclusive. It's not exclusive to PS1, but it was never on N64. And then, okay, one more. We got freaking Crash Bandicoot. What a month, dude. This has got to be in the history books right here this is insane mario platformer versus sony's platformer head to head same month let's go <laughs> and then pokemon um yeah so then there was also on pc the elder scrolls 2 daggerfall i've never heard a single soul talk about this elder scrolls <laughs> game but i figured it was worth mentioning and multi-platform releases you've got madden 97 for all the sports fans and then you've got bust to move 2 uh which you know it's a puzzle game it's bust to move that's the one that's got the freaky baby face on it right well there's just one one bust to move game that has a freaky baby face on it the rest of them are like you know this cute little dragon uh, I'm sorry that that's what comes out in your mind when you think of Busta Move. It's <laughs> well, Busta Move 2 is the one with the creepy baby face, right? I, I don't think that's what it's called. It's called like Super Busta Move something. It's on PS2. Oh. Darn. Yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Not the actual gameplay, just the creepy baby face. <laughs> uh, that's it. That's the heavy month that is September 96. Oh boy, well get ready to hop into this one because I have October and November and November is super long. So I'm going to be talking <laughs> here for a little bit. So first starting off with October, we have Mortal Kombat Trilogy, which is an update to Mortal Kombat 3 released for several consoles, but only came out on the Nintendo 64, PlayStation, and our zone in 1996 where it came out on other consoles in other years. This game adds characters and stages from the first Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat 2, uh, this game also adds the aggressor bar and added the brutality mechanic from the SNES and the Genesis. Dang. Then, we have a game that I've never heard of. Pandemonium! Exclamation point. 
It was developed <laughs> by Toys for Bob for the PlayStation, Sega Saturn, Windows, and Engage. The game is has a 2.5 uh, D gameplay, mini game renders uh, polygons in a typical 3D fashion, but the gameplay is 2D. So it's like 2.5D. Um, the receptions was pretty mixed. Seems like the Saturn and the PC versions were rated better than the P or the PlayStation and the Engage. Um, not so much. They uh, they didn't review so well. Then the I think final it's hilarious had... that the Engage got a release. That's like we're talking like eight years in the future here. I don't even know what the Engage is. I know you've talked about it before, but I couldn't tell you what it looks like. It's just a phone, pretty much, but it didn't come out until, like, 03 or something. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, I guess I guess the Engage players really wanted pandemonium! Exclamation <laughs> point. Then, the final game we have for October is Circle of Blood, a.k.a. Broken Sword, The Shadow of the Templars. Uh, that's what it's called in the U.S. It's a point-and-click adventure game, and is the first in the Broken Sword series. Received a lot of 8s out of 10s and a lot of 80s out of 100, so that's uh, pretty decent. I, would I say. almost didn't bring this to our list, uh, but I went back and I was reading into it and, you know, obviously barely born at this point, six months old, but I I was reading into it and Broken Sword is like a huge point and click adventure game and it was, I don't know, it was a big deal apparently for PC, so I, I had to write it down. Well, good. I've never heard of it in my life, but sweet. Good for you, Broken Sword fans. And then, sad, sad, sad news for Sega. Tom Kalinske resigns as president of Sega of America. Um, probably because of all the crap that went down in the previous year with the Saturn. He's like, you know what? I'm outie. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I've read the um, Console Wars book, and it talks a lot about Tom Kalinske and his decisions to leave and everything. And, uh, yeah, definitely because of all the crap that Sega of America put him through they put him through the ringer for sure he's like i'm out you guys sink with this shit <laughs> this captain is leaving <laughs> so next we have november and like i said it's stacked as well the first game we have is tomb raider everyone's favorite um it's an adventure game <laughs> i think it was so 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 popular it even has movies and uh I think the latest one was released a couple years ago. It's pretty epic. Yeah, I really want to play the original with all of its polygons. Square titties. <laughs> it was <laughs> released on the Saturn and the PlayStation, so there's many, many forms to play it. The next one is a Command & Conquer Red Alert uh, for the PC. PS1 was the following year. Uh, it's a real-time strategy game. You know we love those over here. It's a prequel to the original Command and Conquer. Conquer. Uh, it received pretty good reviews, about nine, eight out of tens. So, if you like that strategy games, then you's gonna like that one. One of the most iconic of the genre. I've literally never heard of it <laughs> until this. Until this. Anna. <laughs> I just. I don't know. I'm in a little box. I like my little box. I like my Mario's and my Zelda's. That's it. It's all right. Then the next one we have is Dragon Force, which is a, another real-time strategy and tactical role-playing game. Don't ask me to explain the difference, but there it is, where you can assume the roles of eight rulers who aim, who aim to control the land. And 
It's like eight hundred dollars on Saturn. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say it's really expensive on the Saturn. It remains one of the Saturn's most highly regarded games. So good wow. luck getting that one. Mm-hmm. Next is yet another strategy game, but this time it's turn-based strategy. It's Heroes of Might and Magic Two: The Succession Wars. It's the second installment in the Heroes of Might and Magic series, and is credited to be the breakout game for the series as a whole. And it put the series on the map. What map That's would that it. be? <laughs> the real or the <laughs> turn-based strategy game map. Got it. It was voted the sixth best PC game of all time by PC Gamer in 1997. I wonder if they've Dang. changed their. I wonder if they've changed their rankings in the last 25 <laughs> years. <laughs> then the next one you mentioned earlier is Twisted Metal 2. Uh, seems like one of the few games to actually be released in North America first and then Japan later. Um, everyone knows it. It's vehicular combat. You know, you're beating up cars and other cars, and there's a clown head. That's I keep I getting say. ads that, like, there's a freaking Twisted Metal show about to come out soon. I also see those ads. Is it HBO? Is it a movie or a TV show? I think it's HBO, and I think it's a TV show, maybe? Mm, I bet it's going to be bad. But you know what? HBO has a pretty good <laughs> record with, with uh, yeah. video games to live action stuff so we'll see um the next ones are super exciting it's nba live 97 which came out in 96 because you know gotta be your head <laughs> um that's basketball for the playstation super nintendo and genesis woohoo um then the next one is fifa 97 which is soccer uh for windows playstation genesis and super nintendo i'm sure everyone was really excited to play those crickets <laughs> yeah that's what i thought no comments <laughs> <laughs> the next one is blood omen legacy of kane which i find this story kind of fascinating but it's an action adventure game it follows kane a slain nobleman who resurrects as a vampire and is seeking revenge on his murderers and i like that i think that's cool i've never played them but they look fun they do look fun. It's made by Crystal Dynamics, who also made the Gex games, and I will never fail to bring up the Gex games if I can, because those are so great. I hope they. I wish they would have released this year, but they didn't. We could just talk about them. Um, but Crystal Dynamics is also involved in the Tomb Raider series uh, later on in the franchise. I did not know that you were a Gex fan. I love Gex Into the Gecko. It is like one of my favorite games of all time. I just replayed it recently with one of my friends. It's so good. I wish they'd make a remaster of all of them. 37 episodes. 37 episodes. I don't know if you've ever brought up Gex. Well, it's never come up. <laughs> but I, now <laughs> it has. I love that game. Anyway, next one. I have halfway through the list. So I hope you're still here. We have Sonic 3D Blast. Known in Japan and Europe as Sonic 3D Flicky's Island. Which, that's a great hey. name. I don't know why we didn't keep that. It was for the Saturn and the Genesis. The first Sonic game to be produced for the 16-bit Genesis, even though support of the Genesis had ended in 1995. So they're like, let's make this be our swan song for the system. I don't know if it worked. That was pretty sour. Yeah, yeah. It's an isometric Sonic adventure where you, Sonic, runs fast through the lands to save the Flickies, which are like little birdie creatures. Cute. Then... The next one is a favorite of ours, Donkey Kong Country 3, Dixie Kong's Double Trouble, which is just one heck of a long title, released for the Super Nintendo. (laughs) 
and uh, we like this one. This is a good one. It's a good egg. That's a good game for sure. I just it's crazy that it's coming out two or three months after the N sixty four launched. Yeah, well, it also came out of the Game Boy Advance a couple years later, which is how I played it, but for the first time. A couple years, like eight. <laughs> That's a couple years. A couple skip a <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anyway. One, two, skip a few nine out of hundred, something like that. I think that's what we used to say back in the 90s. Anyway, the next one is Killer Instinct Gold. It's a fighting game based on the arcade game Killer Instinct 2, developed by Rare and released by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64. Literally never heard of this game in my life. Players fight on a 2D plane set against a 3D background. So it's like quasi-3D-ish. Um, reviewers said the game's graphics looked dated, and, the, and IGN said the game gave a cheesy 80s feel. So if you like the 80s, you might like that one. Okay. Coming up on a classic next. Next. (laughs) We have Bubsby 3D, a.k.a. Bubsby 3D Furbitten Planet on the PlayStation. Bubsy, bro, not Bubsby. Bubsy. Oh, man. I'm going to say it wrong this whole time. Whatever. The cat-looking dude, right? Yeah. I'm going to mess up the developer name here in a second. <laughs> it was developed by <laughs> E-Detic? E- De- e- Whatever. <laughs> Just a wash at this point. Who will later become Ben Studios, also made the Siphon Filter and Days Gone games. Oh, wow. Oh, here's, here's a super fun fact. So some of the art direction was overseen by Warner Bros. And the legendary Chuck Jones himself... Who worked on Looney Tunes, wow. Tom and Jerry, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, but he was never credited. Do you imagine not crediting a legend like that? Really? Wow. This man needs some this recognition. Is, uh, it's not fair. This is notoriously one of the worst games ever made, and I felt like we had to mention oh. it. <laughs> oh, really? I've never well, played it, but I've heard. Well, maybe it's a good reason he wasn't credited. Sorry, erase all that. We'll go back and erase it. <laughs> So, a Saturn version of this game was planned, but it was eventually cancelled. Probably because it reviewed so well. <laughs> um, next one is Area 51. The game was ported to PlayStation, Saturn, and PC in 1996 from the arcade version. It is a light gun shooter. And the PlayStation version of the game supports full screen play, but the Saturn's version is actually covered uh, by a border. So, it covers about 50% of the screen. So, I don't know why. <laughs> But I don't know is. if there's a single arcade in in the country that doesn't have Area 51. This is like classic right here. Perfect. Not for me. I've never heard of it, but you know. <clears throat> anyway, the Saturn version supports all of the console's light guns, but the PlayStation version only supports the Konami justifiers, which are the red and, or the pink and blue kind of like revolver-looking guns, light guns. Fun fact. We got three more, so stick with me. We have Contra Legacy of War. It's a PlayStation game developed by a Hungarian company called Appaloosa Interactive, who is best known for their work on Echo the Dolphin. Did you say Hungarian? But Hungarian, yes. Oh, interesting. Fun fact. But they also worked on games like Jaws Unleashed, The Lost World Jurassic Park, and the South Park game on the PlayStation. And it's a third-person shooter, if you didn't know. Then, 
Next we have Bug 2! Exclamation point, a traditional side-scrolling action game for the Saturn and then later ported to the PC later on that year in December. It's a sequel to Bug! Exclamation point, but unlike the first game, this one actually has a run button. <laughs> Critics liked the graphics and the new characters, but said the camera often blocked the player's view. But darn cameras. Wouldn't be a 90s platformer if you couldn't <laughs> see things you needed to see. Wouldn't be the first time. And then, last but not least, we have Wave Race 64. You know, it's that dope racing game where you're skiing on jet skis. Racing on jet skis? Yeah, that sounds right. It was, fun fact, originally referred to as F-Zero on Water. Bet you didn't know that one. I definitely didn't know that. The game was intended to feature high-speed boats with transforming capabilities, which in my mind sounds like Transformers, but <laughs> maybe not. Um, <laughs> but they were eventually replaced with jet skis because Miyamoto himself wanted the game to be differentiated enough from other titles on other platforms. So Shiggy was right again, man, because this game is awesome. <laughs> and then the last thing I have here in notable releases is Monsters Monster Games Incorporated, an American video game developer that specializes in racing games in ports was founded. Uh, they've worked on games like Excite Truck, Excite Bike World Rally, Pilot Wings Resort, Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D, and the 3DS port of Xenoblade Chronicles. So they've been everywhere. Wow. Yep. Oh man, yeah, it's I always interesting too. like hearing <laughs> it's always interesting hearing about these developers that I've like never heard of and then it turns out like oh they're still around and doing things. They're still kicking it. Well, some of them of course have been bought out by other companies, especially if they're really small. But True. yeah, it's pretty sweet. Oh, well I lied, you gonna have to listen to me for another whole month because <laughs> it's December. I can and... do arcade if you want a break. No, we're good. We don't we don't want to skip over a whole month. Come on. Anyway, it's December. It's cold. Well, not in Florida, but, you know, in other places it's cold outside. <laughs> so all the more reason to stay inside and play games. We have first on the list, Revelations Persona, which is the first game in the Persona series, which is, get ready for this one, is in itself a spinoff of the Shin Megami Tensei game, Shin Megami, Shin Megami Tensei If... Dot, 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 which is a spin-off of the original Shin Megami Tensei series. So it's like a spin-off of a spin-off of a, of a regular game. Interesting. Yes, food for thought there. It's an RPG that follows a group of high school students as they investigate supernatural phenomenon. Uh, the series mm. was popular enough uh, in the U.S. to get a sequel a couple years later and then is still around today. So it's still super popular. And all of the spin-offs, except for If. I've never heard of If anymore. Nice. Next. We have Virtual Cop 2, a light gun game originally released in 1995 as an arcade game, but then later ported to the Saturn in 1996. Um, the only thing I have to say about this is they're cops and they shoot stuff. Um, am I wrong? It's a light gun game, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think it is. Um, <laughs> critics generally favored the game, saying it was an improvement over the original because of its interactive environments. So if that's your thing, that's your thing. Next... I'm going to stop saying next night. Now you made me self-conscious. We have Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. I've actually played this game. It's super sick. It's a third-person shooter developed by LucasArts and published by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64. You play as a character named Dash Rendar, I think is how you pronounce it, 
instead of like the well-known characters like Luke or Leia or Han or whatever. Um, at some point during the development, Miyamoto shows himself again, and he went to the developers and said that Dash, who is the main character, should be more animated, uh, suggesting that Dash should appear restless when waiting for the player to control him, similar to how like Mario in Mario 64 falls asleep if the player doesn't move. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he should be a little more animated in the way that he holds his weapons. So Miyamoto just is... giving advice to everyone. So this must have been an N64 exclusive? Uh, Yeah, I believe it is. This is one of the ones I... that I watched my brother play for hours despite not really liking Star Wars when I was younger. But it was like, it seemed like such an epic adventure. And then I tried it and I was trash at it and I was like, I'll never pick this up again. And I did. Sounds fun. It is super fun. Definitely check it out. Then the next one we have is Sui Koden. Sui Koden. <laughs> mm, I beg to differ. <laughs> Sui Koden. Oh my In gosh! Japanese. It's not up for debate, Hannah. It's Sui Koden. Dude, know it. <laughs> In America, sure. Go watch any YouTube video. Oh my goodness. It's in Japanese, my guy. Su e ko den. Oh, you use the Japanese argument on me. Fine. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a Japanese game. Anyway, it came out a year prior in Japan, but landed a release date of 1996 in the U.S. and the U.S. only. I think it came to other territories later. Uh, it's an RPG published by Konami. The game focuses on the political struggles of the Scarlet Moon Empire, which is just like whatever their world is, whatever their governmental body is. Uh, the player controls a general son who travels around and seeks out the help of 108 different warriors. Uh, some of those warriors can actually join you in combat. The game features six player parties in combat, which is interesting. And mm. it received many RPG Game of the Year awards. Yeah, this is one of those big ones I definitely need to play someday. And i um, pretty sure it is pricey. I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, but there's rumors of the first and second games getting remastered for modern consoles, but I could be wrong. I'm not That'd sure if cool. that's officially confirmed yet. That'd be awesome, especially because the games are so freaking expensive. Then, last but not least, we have everyone's favorite cruise in USA. <laughs> uh, it was arcades in 1994, but then it was released on the Nintendo 64 uh, in 1996. The Nintendo 64 version received very poor reviews, uh, but was commercially successful, so it sucked, but everyone bought it. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not know that. Apparently, the Nintendo 64 version sucked. had a jerky frame rate, poor collision detection, and has poorly inappropriate and composed music, so it received a lot of fives and sixes out of tens. That's one of I the games I rented from Blockbuster for sure. I remember having a ton of fun with these games, but I guess this yeah. one just sucked. <laughs> but Is that's that all it? I got for that one. Yeah, Is that it? Good work. <laughs> Talking for like an hour. Good work. Um, I will say that I think we definitely did our best to like get all the big games, but if there's anything we missed, let us know. There's, it's kind of tough um, to research what actually came out in 96 in north america so we did our best though yeah we did so i think you should go ahead and take arcades because then i have the extra section of stuff that didn't have a month yeah yeah um yeah like we almost missed suikoden or suikoden 
um, right there at the end. I think I just texted Hannah like an hour before the show, and I was like, hey, this one came out in 96. But yeah, let's talk about arcades in the 1996 era. We have... Honestly, fighters were pretty darn big in the mid to late 90s. So it's not even just Street Fighter. You know, we just talked about several fighters in that monthly breakdown there. Um, and most of them all started in arcades first. But the big hits of 96. Daytona USA. Obviously, Woo-hoo! Sega AM2. One of the big freaking racing games everybody loves. And then Cruising USA. Um, which Hannah just told you about. This one did not release in 96 in arcades, but it must have still been going hard in 96 because it made, like, the big hits list. <laughs> nice. Tekken 2, later brought to PS1, where it became the 15th best-selling game on the platform. Hannah talked about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no doubt you've seen, you've walked past an Area 51 and probably played on an Area 51 cabinet and you just didn't even know it, but Area 51, I classic wouldn't, light gun game. I wouldn't suggest that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Alpine Racer is a cool one. Um, it's not something I feel like probably aged well, but it's a Namco title, super innovative. It came with handles, like you pretty much stand on skis. It's a big, giant arcade cabinet, and you pretty much move handles, handlebars, to like control your character skiing down a mountain and racing and dodging obstacles. So I, I would like to try that, that one day. Definitely played what? that one. What? Heck yeah. <laughs> but not Area 51. That's cool. No, because... Okay, let me, let me just say this. The only shooters that I've ever played in arcade when I was younger is definitely... Was it called Time Crisis or whatever? I've definitely played that one. And then I was, like, super into the hunting games. That was, oh, like... heck yeah. Like, deep, <laughs> deep south kind of <laughs> territory <laughs> there. But loved the hunting games where you're shooting, like, turkeys, a deer, and all that kind of stuff. Loved those. Classics. Cabela's. <laughs> yes. Um, definitely. So you have played Alpine Racer? I have, yes. That's cool. You know, you want to know where I've played it? David Buster? I don't know. (laughs) A bowling alley. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Alright, we got uh, Die Hard again. This time it's the Die Hard Arcade Machine. This one is a beat-em-up. And I was kind of confused. I was like, why is why are there multiple Die Hard games coming out? And why are they popping off in, in 96? But it's because there was a Die Hard 3. The third movie came out the previous year. So still oh. riding that Die Hard high. Wow. Later got ported to Saturn as a exclusive for consoles. Nice. Metal Slug again, obviously an insanely popular run and gun, one of SNK's most important releases for sure. Point Blank, another light gun game. This is a Namco title, later brought to PS1. I have one of those on the PS1. Um, Decathlete, a Sega game, track and field game, where you participate in 10 different events, things like shock put and God knows what else. That sounds super boring. Um, Sweet. And then they brought it to Saturn. I can't imagine why. Because <laughs> it... Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> Strikers 1945. Uh, this is a shoot 'em up Psycho makes a lot of really good shmups. And then we got Tokyo Wars. And I never heard of this one. 
Uh, I would suggest, listeners, Google it real quick. It looks freaking awesome. It's one of those four-player sit-side-by-side with a steering wheel type of arcade cabinets, but hmm. you're driving a freaking tank. It's not a racing game. Oh, that is sick. Heck yeah. And um, it immediately made me think of this Wii U game, Tank, 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 that came out. I wonder if there's like any relation, honestly. Uh, I should have looked into that, but... This Wii U game, Tank Tank Tank, also had a arcade cabinet, so I'm sure it's pretty similar, but yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. The King of Fighters 96, another Neo Geo long-running fighter, highly acclaimed. Um, Virtua Fighter 3, Sega Fighter, Dead or Alive, Tecmo Fighter, and then you got NBA Hangtime, which is a Midway title, um, which I didn't know this, but it's the same... It was the same developers that did NBA Jam. They just couldn't call it NBA Jam because Acclaim had the rights at this point. So if oh. you like NBA Jam, you probably like NBA Hangtime. Cool. Wow. Let's talk Our data. Are still freaking popping. Heck yeah. All right. So the last thing I have here for the monthly breakdown is games that were just oh, notable things bad. that happened. Um that uh didn't necessarily have a month associated with it but it did happen in said month because it probably either took place over a span of months or just wasn't specified so first we have midway manufacturing uh changes its name to midway games inc due to entrance in the home console market i guess they didn't manufacturing just wasn't gonna cut it they're like i don't want <laughs> i don't want something from a manufacturer what Anyway, they also acquire Atari Games Corporation from Time Warner. So Atari be all over the place. Then the next so thing... So it's actually... Just... This is a weird thing that happened. I don't know all the details, but Atari and Atari Games are actually like separate somehow. I think Atari Games might be the arcade side of Atari. Um, I don't know. I don't know all the details. I don't know all the details, but there is some separation there. Man, Atari was doing literally anything to survive. They're like, split it up. <laughs> okay, and then the next thing I have here is Nintendo of America versus Computer and Entertainment, a legal case. So then Nintendo Nintendo Ninjas were out there suing people all the way back in 1996. <laughs> so basically, Nintendo filed a complaint against Computer and Entertainment with copyright infringement, trademark infringement, and unfair competition because they were selling video game duplication devices. So this is something that Nintendo has hated since the 90s. Um, essentially, <laughs> this device would allow people to make unauthorized, cop- unauthorized copies of Nintendo cartridges onto discs. Um, Nintendo was like, no, 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 you're cutting into our profits. So they sued them. And obviously they won. Because it's Nintendo. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was interesting. Very interesting. And that's all that I got for that section. All right. Uh, well, we can talk about some data here, some sales for the year, and rankings whenever you're ready. I will preface this by saying that finding the specific sales just in the year of 96 and just for the United States was very difficult. Um, so if these are wrong, then I'm sorry, but at least there's some kind of gauge of how well things sold and stuff. So the best-selling arcade games were Daytona USA, Cruisin' USA, Tekken 2, Area 51, Alpine Racer, which is literally basically all that you just said, um, Die Hard Arcade, Metal Slug, Point Blank, Deck Athlete? 
Decathlete? This is literally the same list. Yeah, that's where I got my list from. <laughs> oh, really? And Strikers, 1945. So, there are other ones out there, but I guess those are the most notable ones. Then, let's see. These are the best-selling games for the home console, which is, surprise, surprise, Super Mario 64 is up there at number one. Was selling over... It says 2 million copies plus, so I don't, I don't know if that's just in the year of 96, and it's not very specific. But all these ones have sold at least a million copies. We have Donkey Kong Country 2, Donkey Kong Country 3, Madden NFL 97, Wave Race 64, Super Mario RPG, Tekken 2, Star Wars Shadow of the Empire, Resident Evil, and Myst. So Nintendo Myst. totally dominated. Yes, M-Y-S-T, Myst. A PC game. Yes, I know how you spell Myst. <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, not spelled like normal Mist. I'm guessing you never heard of Mist, another iconic PC 90s game, Hannah. <laughs> I've never heard of Mist. <laughs> all right. Um, then the best-selling consoles, this, I mean, of all the 15 that you freaking mentioned earlier, Nintendo, again, it takes the cake, but Sony <laughs> is number one with worldwide sales of 6.6 6 million. So they'd be that. crushing it. But they Nintendo... Did have, good. They, they did have like eight more months than Nintendo did. That's true. These are very skewed results. But, yeah. So, and also Nintendo's fiscal year is like so messed up, it's not even funny. It's March to March, which is such an odd thing. So I was looking up sales, mm. and it was like, well, from March 1995 to March 1996. And I was like, well, I guess that encounters... Or encapsulates more of 96, but is that considered the fiscal year of 96, or is it considered the fiscal year of 95, because that's when it started? So, that's why I'm saying all these sales are like, I don't even know. Anyway, Sony takes the cake at number one with the sales of their PlayStation. Then Nintendo comes in second with their Game Boy and Game Boy Pocket. Um, tied in second place is the Sega Saturn, which is crazy. Fourth is Nintendo 64. Fifth, Super Nintendo and the Super Famicom. Then we have the Sega Genesis, the NES, which was still selling, and the Super Nintendo, and the 64. This is just crazy. Nintendo really freaking nailed it with this one. And then the Sega Game Gear takes 8th and tied in ninth. Well, you know what? I don't even know what those are, so never mind. There's no ninth place. We stop at 8. And then, let's see what's the other one I have. I have highest rated games. So, Super Mario 64... Is the top rated game with a Metacritic score of 94 out of 100. Nice. Then we have Wipeout XL slash 2097 on the PlayStation, which has a Metacritic score of 93. Quake has a 94 out of 100. Tekken 2 has an 89. Civ 2 has a 94. Wave Race has a 92. Parappa the Rapper has a 92. And the other ones aren't worth mentioning. But yeah, are you surprised Nintendo 64? I mean, uh, Super Mario 64 <laughs> took the top? Was nope. Crash on that list? No. What the heck? This is only this is only like the top eight, though. I mean, it stops at... Mm -hmm. The lowest one's an 89, so maybe it got an 88. That's pretty high for Parappa. We actually didn't get that here in the States um, until later. Yeah much 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 later like i said it was i couldn't filter these out based on just north america sales um yeah, but for good. the 
highest selling games, I'll just give the top five. We have Super Mario 64. Uh, in Japan, it sold just south of a million copies with 900,000. United States, it sold 2 million plus. Tekken 2 with about 1.2 million in Japan and 1 million in the United States. Resident Evil, I think it's also called Biohazard in Japan. Yeah. Sold about 1 million in both Japan and the United States. And then Super Mario RPG sold about 1 million in each. And then the fifth place is Donkey Kong Country 3 for the Super Nintendo. And it sold about uh, 674,000 in Japan and then a million in the United States. So again, Nintendo was killing it with both software and hardware. Um, And then this should not be a shocker, but... Super Mario 64 won a plethora of Game of the Year awards. <laughs> but they're from sources that I don't even know if they exist anymore. So I did not mention them. But yep, that's what I got. Got some statistics. Super Mario 64 just crushed. Let us know if you like statistics, because we certainly like looking at them and including them. I think it's interesting. I wish they were a little more accurate and I could actually give you like specific numbers, but I think it's just a cool gauge of where things were. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about, I don't know, more opinion-based stuff, I guess. Um, concepts and games that first appeared in 96. I think the biggest thing to come out of 1996 probably survival horror with Resident Evil. I think a lot of stuff that that we've just spent the last hour and ta- an hour and a half talking about is the um, I don't know, kind of expanding upon things that already existed, and a lot of that is the shift to 3D. Um, but one thing that for sure was like solidified is survival horror with Resident Evil, but. Did you have anything to add? I didn't have anything besides that 3D became, like, started to become mainstream. Obviously, it existed before this, but, like, it's starting to become more into the homes with, like, consoles instead of having, like, a nice PC to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you start to see everybody follow suit into 3D after Mario 64. Pixels are great, but, you know, it's also great 3D environments. Polygons polygonal figures um and then the next oh go ahead yeah this is gonna say the next thing i have for the series that started in 1996 i basically just have a list if you want me to read it yeah i got five they're probably on your list you can go ahead okay we have and i did not check to see if these were all in the united states or if this includes japan as well but we'll just read mm. it, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. We have Broken Sword, which we mentioned earlier, the Capcom Versus series, Crash Bandicoot, Creatures, Dead or Alive, The House of the Dead, Legacy of Kane, Marvel vs. Capcom, Metal Slug, Parappa the Rapper, Persona, Quake, Resident Evil, Sakura Wars, Star Ocean, Story of Seasons, Tomb Raider, and Wild Arms. Did you say Quake? I did say Quake. And Metal Slug? Sure did. Heck yeah. Yeah, a lot of those uh, not North American. Not a lot of them. A few of them, like Parappa, didn't come out until later, but you get the idea, listeners. Yeah. They still started in 1996 somewhere. (laughs) Series that died in 1996 on the opposite end of the spectrum here. I wrote down Bubsy because Bubsy... (laughs) 
had a very poor PlayStation title in 96 until, I didn't even know this, he was revived in 2017 with a game and then like a few years later he got another game. So I don't know what's going on with Bubsy or who has the license, but that's hilarious to me. May he rest in peace. I also wrote Donkey Kong Country because 3 would be the last one until the Wii many years later. Um, but yeah, didn't really die. It just kind of took a long break. Took a long hiatus. And got a new developer. <laughs> and then is on another hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have uh, any do you for have that any? section. Okay. Mm-mm. Um, all right, cool. Let's talk about hardware that died real quick. I just have a list here, but the Virtual Boy, the CDI, the 3DO, the Sega CD, the 32X, and the Atari Jaguar. Oof. May they rest in peace. Oh, and they're all really expensive, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wah, wah. Funny how that works. Moment of silence. All right. Okay. Uh, anything gaming adjacent? <laughs> I do have some gaming adjacent stuff. So I was looking at movies. There weren't any notable movies. Those didn't happen, I guess, until the 2000s when we got, like, what's that one really awful vampire one? Dang it. Why can't I think of the movie? Anyway. Based on so, a video game? Yeah. But I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, not in the U.S., but I thought this was fascinating and I could not do it. I could not mention it. So there was a Donkey Kong Country uh, television series, which oh, heck yeah. in- was was introduced in France in September of 1996. (laughs) I don't know if they really, really liked Donkey Kong over there or what, but it was one of the earliest TV shows to be primarily animated with motion capture technology, so I thought that was interesting. Um, But yeah, France. I think think we we did end up getting it a couple years later, but it started in in French. (laughs) Got them. (laughs) French Donkey Kong over there. And the U.S. did actually have, you sent this to me, a Mortal Kombat animated series called Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm. The show aired back-to-back with the Street Fighter animated series. Um, Mm. The show is a combination of an alt... See if this makes sense in your mind. An alternative sequel to the first uh, Mortal Kombat film and the events of the ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. Uh, I don't know what that (laughs) means. That's what it said. Also, this is really cool. So the voice actors in the series include Luke Perry. I'm not sure if you know who that is. He's like, he recently passed away, but he kind of became famous again from being in the TV show called Riverdale. Mm. And another voice actor that you might know, Ron Perlman. He was Hellboy in the Hellboy movies. Oh, yeah. He voiced one of the characters as well. How about and then, that? It was cool. I didn't know that he was doing uh, random uh, voice work back then, but yeah, he was. (laughs) And the last thing I have is Wind Commander had a TV show called Wind Commander Academy, produced by Universal Cartoon Studios, which I thought was cool. It loosely served as a prequel to the first Wind Commander game, and it aired from September 21st to December 1996, with only 13 episodes. It's just a very, very strange one. Like... To, to receive I, we were talking about Darkstalkers earlier but nobody's heard of Wing Commander <laughs> me included <laughs> that's not surprising 
be it. That's what I got for that one. Uh, I don't have anything to add, but I did find it super interesting that uh, I actually just bought a Wing Commander game this past weekend at Retropalooza. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, we got to add that in. Is it um, um, like a flying game? Yeah, I think it's got to be a shmup. Ah, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, now on to the opinion stuff. Um, let's talk about our favorite things to come out this year. You can start us off. I think our, my favorite thing for sure to come out of 1996, not just Mario 64, but like 3D Mario games in general. You know, it it nothing's... I don't know. They're still pretty similar today, and I'm, I'm very happy that that they exist do you want to alternate I agree. do you want to take one uh yeah i'll just add to that point so i'm also very very glad that super mario 64 came out um i obviously did play it in 1996 i played it probably probably the year 2000 2001 and i have very fond memories you know sitting down with my brother and my dad playing that game so i was probably the game that got me into gaming in general so if that wouldn't have come out who knows where i'd be right and that freaking eel in the water world. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. We wouldn't have those scars if not for Mario 64. Nightmares. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest PlayStation guy, but I figured the PlayStation is probably one of my favorite things to come out of 96. Um, we've gotten some pretty incredible things from PlayStation over the years. So that's another one. Yep, I don't have that one. Instead, I have Nintendo 64. Again, it was this, the console that I think started off my whole gaming career. Um, I have very fond memories playing that with my family. Um, and yeah, I'm so glad it exists. The only thing that I'm really salty about, and I'm going to say it every time, is that they stopped the mini console cycle after the Super Nintendo, and we didn't get Nintendo 64. And I blame that entirely on Nintendo Switch Online. I don't know why they stopped there. <laughs> It's very unrelated to 1996, but I just had to bring it up anyway. You know what else is unrelated to 96 is the PlayStation. Why did I... That was literally 1995, so screw that bullet point. <laughs> okay, um, I'll change it to Crash Bandicoot, which is another one I had written down. Um, I freaking love Crash. Just played a new game I never played before on the GBA like a month ago. And yeah, Crash always likes Crash a lot, so... That's a big one for me. Very nice. The next one I have is, while I did not play Super Mario RPG until much, much, much recently, and I've never finished it, I will appreciate the fact that it kind of set up the trajectory of the Paper Mario series, which I absolutely love. So I'm nice. glad that it did well enough for Nintendo to keep that concept around and then later create Paper Mario 64, which is one of my favorite Nintendo 64 games. When did you play Mario RPG? Uh, it's on the Super Nintendo Mini, and so that's oh. where I first started to play it, yeah. Wow, that's a good reason to buy a Super Nintendo Mini right there, because it's not even that's, on the Switch yet. That's the reason why I did buy it, actually. I mean, I was going to buy it anyway, but it was like just a perk that that was on there. Hmm. You know. And Earthbound's on there, too. That's a good little system. It is, yep. Uh, last one I wrote is Pokemon. I don't really need to go into detail. Freaking love that series. Cards, anime, games, everything. Still play Pokemon Go every day of my life. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. 
Um, <laughs> I also have I also have Pokemon Red and Blue down here, and while I did not play those games again until much much later, and I still don't think I've ever beaten one of the early generations, but I have to applaud the success of the series to allow us to have all of these spin-offs like Pokemon Puzzle League, Pokemon Go, and to still be a like bajillion dollar uh, franchise. Appreciate that. No doubt. You know, I, I I would like to go and see how how much of the originals I can still stand. You know, Red was my very first Pokemon game, um, but I don't know if I can if I have the patience <laughs> to sit there and walk everywhere that I go. You know, like it yeah, was it was pretty slow back then. We liked the bike. <laughs> and the freaking running shoes, at least. Mm, right. Any other bullet points there? Nope. That was it. Nice. Um, I guess this next one, our favorite games that came out in 96, that kind of ties in to what we just did, no? Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, the most important things that came out in 1996. Do you want to start that one? Yeah, the only point I have here is that just the mainstream introduction of 3D gaming and, like, the whole thing of exploration. Like, before it was very level-based, and now more, not open world, but more sandboxy games started to emerge where you can kind of explore more instead of just traveling in a 2D plane. And I really like that because I mostly play 3D games. 2D games are not my favorite. No doubt about that. Uh, I think I would have to say Resident Evil have already talked a lot about it big one there um and freaking first person shooters on pc just really blowing up every year they just keep getting better in the 90s and quake and final doom are a huge part of that in 1996 and um yeah and i think something that came out in january as well oh yeah duke nukem 3d goes into that category yep i keep thinking this all came out in like the same year Right, yeah, for real. Uh, and then of course Mario sixty four, but we keep talking yes. about it. Yes, we do, because it just it it dominates the whole year, in my opinion. It's like I'm I'm like proud to be born in the same year as Pokemon <laughs> and Mario sixty four. It's like man, man, what a great year. <laughs> I didn't get to the next year. <laughs> Although, I did get the spillover from the stuff that released in 1996 in Japan. Usually it came out in 1997. So I get a lot of That's those true. things. It's probably so, a great year. You know. I think, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Probably. You know. Alright, let's compare. Let's compare today's gaming to 1996. Discuss what we think is better and why. Um, yeah. Let's do it, Hannah. Who's going first? Right. I can go first. So the first thing I wrote here is I feel like if you look at it, it seems like you're comparing apples and oranges because uh, they're so two completely different things. Like obviously the games now look a whole lot better. They play a whole lot better. You know, they're a lot larger. The scale is larger. Um, but you have to appreciate how much work and like innovation went into stuff in 1996 you know what i'm saying yeah but yeah as far as that is concerned i think the first thing i have here is the concept of dlc i think has kind of 
not ruined modern gaming games that's dramatic but i think it i don't know it definitely it puts like a demerit in my mind because like these developers some of them i'm not gonna say that all of them do i mean zedoblade chronicles has a great record of having great dlc but some of these developers take some of the game out and they just decide to sell you like 60 percent of the game they're like oh where you can pay you know 40 dollars more for this extra dlc blah 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 would it have been a part of the original game, I don't know. And then some companies push, and Nintendo is kind of notorious for this, I think, in my opinion, especially with their, their sports games. They'll push a game out before it's ready and then release, like, full other sports just, like, two or three months later. It's like you could have just waited, you know, versus games from the 90s and 1996 where it was all there. You didn't have to download anything. You didn't connect to the internet. It was all there as soon as you opened it. No, that's a very good point. I didn't even think about that uh, with this section here. Yeah. So, I don't know. I Like I said, I don't want to be dramatic and say that it ruined it, but it's just it's something to think about. When you're opening a game now, it's, it's much different than when you're opening a game back then. A lot of Nintendo Switch games, maybe like 90% of them, you know, you take it out of the box and the update is so short, it's great. You know, you don't have to sit there for four hours and wait for your, your game to <laughs> pop in and play, which right. like four hours is not an exaggeration. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> um, yeah. So there is that. That's That's a good point, though. You know, I was just thinking about the games themselves, but you're very, very spot on with the DLC stuff. Um, and the Mario, Mario Soccer and Mario Golf the last couple years, they've just really, they're prime examples of that and it sucks. Um, Yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not bad games, obviously. They're just kind of lacking that full spectrum of what you want from those kind of sports games, you know? You're like, it's missing something when you play it. And as a, as a, from a business standpoint, I try to understand it. I try to think like, okay, they want this game to live more than for 15 minutes of fame that that it gets when it launches um yeah and so every update is like oh yeah let's have our players log back on again and remember this game exists but but i don't i don't know i don't know how much that helps them you know maybe it gets a few more sales here and there but i don't know i don't i'm not a fan yeah, I think that's a good point. That's something I didn't think about. But then you have to like discern if a company is just withholding stuff to withhold stuff, or was it a rush development, or are they trying to keep like the longevity of their games? I just I think it's a, a line that we don't have to tiptoe in 1996, yeah. which is so great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Another thing that I have is I mentioned this earlier when I was setting the scene, but like I miss games being readily available on the shelf. Like obviously we're all about physical media here on this podcast, but it's dying and I don't like that. Very true. I wish that I could just walk into a Best Buy or a Target or a Toys R Us, which are now, you know, made Jeffrey rest in peace, but they were just they're so cool back in the day. Yeah. I just miss that kind of in your face pick me mentality you know now it's just all digital storefront and also i just wrote this because i just thought we should mention it is i'm not really a huge fan of like the pay to win games i know those have kind of i don't want to say vanished but i think people have there's a stigma when companies kind of release these kinds of games 
but it ruins the fun, ruins the experience. If you pay just to get better, you know, then you're ruining the fun for everyone else. I mean, it's really like, why even play the game if you're just going to cheat, essentially, by paying a bunch of money, you know? Yeah. Looking at you, EA. And you didn't really have to worry about that. Also, something that's not necessarily dying, but I think it's becoming less and less, is just like local co-op, like being able to sit down next to your friend. Nintendo's great about this, but I'm talking about the other companies. Being able to plug in two controllers, or Bluetooth two controllers, and being able to sit down on the couch and play with your friends. If I play even the games that do support co-op locally on Xbox or PlayStation, it's always it's almost always a bad experience. I mean, yeah. Overcooked, perfect. But like yeah. a big AAA title like freaking like Call of Duty Cold War or whatever, like I'm playing local zombies and it's like it's a freaking nightmare. It's just to get two controllers hooked up to play and that yeah, that's a very very good point, Hannah. I don't know Thank why you. it has to be like that. <laughs> I don't either. And let's see, I think the last thing I have here... Oh, no, I have two things. So the other thing is just durability and life of consoles. Like, I think this is not only a trend with, like, video games, but now more and more things are just cheap, you know, plasticky. They'll break if you freaking drop it. But, like, the whole point is if you break it, you know, it's not worth it to fix it. It's just buy a new one. Um, And they're they're freaking breaking. And I just had this experience recently where I was trying to... um, buy games on the Wii U virtual con- or the eShop before it closed and my Wii U is freaking bricked and I can't do anything about it. Um, Man. So, yeah. but I can plug in my Nintendo 64 and my GameCube and it'll start right up, you know? Well, GameCube might be a little finicky, but Nintendo 64 <laughs> uh, is a lot more durable um, and I think the controllers are a lot better. And I do remember when I was younger, I was moving the TV to do something and I dropped that shit on the Nintendo 64 and I was like oh my god I fucking broke it and I picked it up well I didn't pick up the TV I had to have someone move it because it's ginormosaurus and heavy uh, as a kid but nope it was totally fine it was like hell yeah let's play (laughs) so I missed that kind of like durability that some of the consoles have you can hear my Super Nintendo controller creaking (laughs) and like in agony (laughs) when I am playing Mario World because I'm I'm holding the sprint button and also pushing the right button, so it's like a lot of pressure on the inside of the controller. <laughs> but it's hell. it's 30 years in the making. This thing is fine, you know? <laughs> it is totally A-OK. I mean, yeah. I love it. I don't know. I don't know why companies stop making things. Well, I know why, but like, why should we? Um, And then the last thing I have is... People are games where people sink too much money into it. And I think I said, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but um, instead of like pay to win games, but like Fortnite, it just makes it seem like developers and companies are making games just to make quick money versus making a game to make a good game that people can enjoy. Yeah. It's like every time you see these battle royales pop up and it's like, oh, you can get these skins or you can get this box and it's basically gambling. I know there's a huge controversy about that, but it just, it just, it, it seems. I don't know, skeevy or like uh, greedy in my opinion. So not a huge fan of that. Didn't have that in 1996. <laughs> yeah, very true. I guess yeah, I will play the optimistic side of things. Um, <laughs> I, I, games aren't going backwards. You know, most of them have their roots in the games that we saw today in 1996. Um, 
for example, 3D Mario games haven't changed a lot. But Odyssey is better than Mario 64, and there's no denying that. And they're both phenomenal games, but, you know, Odyssey's got 20 years, 25 years um, of improvements. You know, the graphics, the controls, like, everything is just smoother, and that's just, that's, that's how you move forward, and they're doing it right. Um, survival Horror, I've mentioned it ten times, but... If anyone has played Outlast or the modern Resident Evil games, it's insane. And there's, aside from like historical purposes, I can't imagine there's any real reason to go back and and try to argue that the first Resident Evil game is the best survival <laughs> horror game. You know, things are getting right. better as they should be. Right. Um. Graphics are on another level. That's that's just a fact. Graphics are insane now. You're you're almost to the point where it's like looking in a mirror. Like people are looking so real in games. Um, it's like uncanny, like uncanny valley. Some of them. I don't like it. <laughs> I feel like early 2023 here that we're in, literally living in right this moment, is shaping up to be an era that will go down in history as like one of the most insane with these back-to-back releases and. I think that's, you know, it kind of concludes here with Zelda coming out next month, but um, January through May has just been insane, and that includes, you know, DLC and full release games. There's so much being packed in right now, it's it's crazy. Literally yeah, yesterday we got... It's crazy. Yesterday we just had this new Jedi Survivor game, and the AAA titles are non-stop, it's crazy. Yeah, it does come to question, though, like, how game developers and companies can keep, like, will they be able to keep up this pace? Like, have P- have they set an expectation to get, like, a big release every freaking month or every couple of weeks, you know? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And but, uh, one more comparison for 2023 and 1996. We have some got, we have somehow gone back to cartridges with the Nintendo Switch <laughs> and even the PS Vita. <laughs> it's our roots, baby. We like the cartridges. <laughs> yeah, but cartridges, their storage has gotten so good now that it's super cheap. You know, to get like all of these terabytes, not terabytes, but you know, just storage has gotten cheaper. And no one wants, well, I was going to say no one wants to have a whole shelf of clunky discs, but, I mean, we do, <laughs> and they're kind of being phased <laughs> out anyways, but I think cartridges might be the way we go from here on out, but I don't. I guess we'll see when Nintendo decides to announce their other next console. All digital is all is only around the corner for everyone. Ugh, only don't say that. Ticking time bomb. <laughs> do not say that. Um, what are some things that you wish that we kept, that the world of gaming kept from 96? Boy, I have some good ones for this. Can I start? Sure. Okay. So just like the Nintendo 64 did, I wish that we had more colors of consoles. I know Nintendo has gotten better about it, but like the Nintendo 64 had so many color combinations. They had like the transparent ones and then they had the normal block uh color controllers um and i just think that we need to have that kind of customization like i said nintendo's getting better with all the joy cons but it takes so long for them to come out and they have to buy a whole system to get them yeah yeah and then the systems themselves come in in awesome 
like transparent colors and then japan got like the pokemon ones and there's some like tr- or two colors where the the top is one color the bottom is one color uh, i think it's called the fantastic series yeah. no, no 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 that's that's something like that um and then also the game boys come out in a gajillion colors there's reds there's blues there's greens all that kind of stuff and we just don't really have that kind of color customization anymore i don't understand why they would make so much money dude like yeah i want a blue switch not just like the joy cons but like a blue house and docking system or like they just sell this like the switch by itself and then you can customize it like through their online store or whatever and you can get a different color dock i mean you'd probably have to pay more but you know what i'm saying like just mix and match yeah i don't know why we don't yeah. have that it's 2023 Gotta shout out that Splatoon 3 one, though. I freaking love that, and it screams the 90s. I agree. I mean, they're like I said, they're getting better, but they're just not where I want them to be. And then the other thing I have is demo stations. Like, when you actually go into the store, you could actually demo things. I know Nintendo mm. has one for the Switch, I think, and it's you can get it in, like, you can play it in, like, Targets and Best Buys and Walmarts and stuff, but you when you went to a Walmart... It was literally attached down here, like, by your hands, like, for a kid's hands. And then the screen was, like, way up above all the games on the counter. And you could just sit there and play. And there was, like, yeah. one on every on every shelf. So it was, like, an Xbox, was a PlayStation, all of them. You could do whatever you want. It was great. Yeah, I got one of those sitting right next to me. <laughs> right. Um, See, don't you miss that? <laughs> the... Yeah, there's like this freaking famous image that has been screenshotted to death and it's so blurry because everyone shares it, but it's this kid with like his neck broken staring up <laughs> at this uh-huh. freaking the Walmart kiosk. Yeah, you know the one. Exactly. That's exactly it. But yeah, Good that's times. what I got. Um I kind of this one I have two here that can probably be one, but like variety of hardware I, I think listing out these 15 different consoles kind of made me realize that it would be super cool to have more options. Um, I think it's a double-edged sword because then I would have to spend three or $400 to buy all the consoles just to play right. an exclusive, and that would be a pain. Um, yeah. So maybe I missed that. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I think it would be cool to see a little bit more variety than just the big three. Um. And then, of course, Sega in the hardware space. I kind of miss it. I I never really lived through Sega being in the hardware space, but from a retrospective point of view, it it does seem like they were great and they had a lot of innovation, and I kind of miss that. Or I I wish that we had that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, mean, the big companies have, like, freaking just cash out the wazoo, especially right now, so they're just kind of acquiring anyone that could go against them or like make a competitor's thing um so yeah i i agree with you um but i don't see it changing anytime soon no i wrote light gun games i freaking love them and i wrote emphasis on arcades i would love to see arcades be in the limelight again but more than just like the arcade building itself like people designing arcade cabinets like with a focus you know i feel like we started we've we've passed up arcades right so arcades started out being 
the more powerful systems. They had these giant boards and they could do, you know, I don't know all the technical specs, but arcades were more powerful than consoles. And it's flipped now. You know, there was a point where they were pretty even and then you could get these really good ports of arcade games on your home console. And now it's like, no one gives a dang about arcades. No one's going to arcades. So why would a, a developer make an arcade machine? Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I miss it. I think arcades are awesome. And I know we'll never get it, but it would be cool if there was more of an emphasis on them in 2023. Yeah, I mean, the modern arcades now are like Dave and Buster's, which is just like a, a screen and you're holding a controller. Like, it's not as intricate as it used to be. So... I don't know. The modern if arcade, arcade games back, but... are their iPhone apps put onto an arcade machine. <laughs> and that's right. not even a, a figure of speech. Like, there's literally Temple Run at my Dave and Busters. Yes. Although, <laughs> the racing games are still very prominent. And they're like, great. There's like sounds and the seat like vibrates and, and it's really, really cool. Um, what's the one that has all of the racing games? Is it is it Namco? Or am I thinking of something wrong? What's the company well, that Namco makes all makes like, the, the race Mario games? Kart ones? Yeah, and then there's another one. What's the other one? I know Raw Thrills makes the cruising games. Yes, that one. Those are great. Yeah. And they're still around. I mean, I don't know if they're new within like the last ten years, but they're still pretty cool. Yeah. And then also, I guess. Another modern game is like the booths where it's like you you have your hands on the thing like mm. the scary ones and it tests like your heart rate. Those are pretty fun. And then I know there's a uh, Luigi's Mansion one where you actually have like a vacuum peripheral that mm-hmm. you're kind of like waving around. That one's pretty cool. So it's just it's just different now. That's true. Uh, yeah, I think that's that all I got cool. for that. Yeah, I don't have any more either. Was 1996 a good year for gaming, Hannah? Hell yeah. 1996 was pivotal, I think, in gaming yeah, as a was. whole. I think it had so many good games, and, and even going into, like, 97, 98, um, had some of the best games of all time. I don't think anyone would argue with that. Um, obviously, the graphics aren't as good, but some of them still hold up. Like, the Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, I know, regarded as, like, the best N64 games, and those still hold up today as some of the greatest games. So, yes. I think this generation set up gaming as now. Mario 64, if you needed any more convincing, sold for like a million dollars a couple years ago, so. <laughs> wow. That's insane. But yeah, I think uh, 96 was a was one of the best years. I don't have anything to add. We've We've talked it to death, and yes, it was an incredible year, no doubt about it. Heck yeah. Let's do listener responses. Um, So we had a poll this time around where we said, hey, these are the four most important games probably, objectively. And, um, you know, we kind of wanted to see what y'all voted for. And we also gave you the option to, um, you know, send us your own responses if they weren't on the top four. So the question was, like, what was your favorite game of 96? And the options were Mario 64. And you're going to have to help me out here, Hannah. I don't remember which one we cut. Yep. So I did Super Mario 64, Crash Bandicoot, 
uh, Pokemon Red and Blue combined, and then Resident Evil. Can you guess which one was everyone's favorite? My my gut tells me Mario 64. It better not be Pokemon. It's Pokemon. <laughs> oh, wow. It was Pokemon Red and Blue. So it was 37% Super Mario 64, 11% Crash Bandicoot, 39% Pokemon Red and Blue, and then 12% Resident Evil. Wow. So Crash crazy. Bandicoot Super- higher than Resident yeah, Evil. Yeah, wah, wah. Yeah, so uh, I, Super Mario 64 was leading for like 22 hours, and then I guess some Pokemon fans saw it, and they're like, no, 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 we gotta, we gotta vote Pokemon. <laughs> so yeah. And then I also, like you said, wrote in the option to for people to respond, and I asked why. Um, and Joshi64bit says, Red and Blue felt like a massive adventure. Played it when I was like six or seven, and played it over and over and over again. I grew up with this game. So yeah, I think... I don't want to say that it was one of the biggest games on the Game Boy, but it certainly was more free than some of the other like uh, um, 2D platformers, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, when you look at... I love to look at what a game looks like when the console first came out versus what they were able to do towards the end of its life. And, you know, you think of something... Like, I've played Home Alone on the freaking Game Boy. Home Alone 2. <laughs> it's this garbage, like, side-scrolling platformer that's just garbage. And then you play something like Pokemon. It's like, here's 151 things you can go catch. And it's this <laughs> uh-huh. massive RPG. And it's just so crazy how different they are on the same console. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and then the next one, it was his write and answer, underscore renry.tube.tv.elvin.mage <laughs> says Duke Nukem 3D. So someone likes it out there. That is uh, pretty crazy to put it over the other four, but I heard it's a great game. <laughs> uh, next we have Hunter Gooden, who says Pokemon Red and Blue came out the same day as my birthday, February 25th. It was a year or so nice. after release when my sister... Gave me her copy of Pokemon Red and her pink Game Boy Color. It was the first game I ever owned and played it to death. And, e- and even though I couldn't read. <laughs> so just, yep, yep, click, 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 click. I don't know what that says, but let's go. Um, it jump-started my love of Pokemon and led me to game development, where I'm now at a company who regularly works with Nintendo. It's crazy to think how different my life could have ended up if I hadn't had that love of the franchise carved in my heart at such a young age. What a great response. I agree. It was one of the best responses. How interesting. And then my BFF, 64-hit combo says, Such an interesting variety, because Super Mario 64 probably aged the best, but I have more nostalgia for Pokemon. The original Crash Bandicoot probably aged pretty well, too, only played the PS4 remake, but it was frustratingly difficult at times. And Resident Evil has gone through a handful of remakes that the original isn't worth going back to, but the fact that I got those remakes says something about how great it was at the time, and why an updated version was wanted over and over again. So, also a really good point. That is a great point. So, yeah. Um, that's all the good responses, but definitely watch out on my Instagram, because we ask questions every month. And on the Discord side of things, Pyroclasm said Final Doom for PC. Um, you get two new 32-level Doom games, TNC Evolution and the Plutonium Experiments, on one disc, and he said that's amazing. Um, 
definitely couldn't put them over the other four. You know, I haven't played Final Doom, so let me not say anything, <laughs> but that's a pretty bold statement there. <laughs> Sweet. Danny Will Robot said, Mario 64, that was my first experience ever owning slash playing an N64 back in the day. Nice. Classic. So one of your responses said that um, his birthday was the Pokemon release date back in February, so either we're wrong or he's talking about the Japanese release date, who knows. Uh, yeah, sure, all of the above. <laughs> But yeah, definitely look out for our responses. Please join the Discord. Yeah, please join the Discord. We have a uh, podcast channel, and we ask questions there. And also, if you don't want to do that, go follow Hannah's Instagram and check that out. Thank you. Um, Shameless plug. Gangrel Vance SP on Instagram. Yes. Yeah, we. uh, She posts the poll or the question or whatever every month, so look out for that on her story. Mm-hmm. But it's time. We're finally going to relax a little bit here. We're going to talk about whatever we want to talk about, Hannah. Well, we can go into some news if you want. I don't have any written down, but tell me about some news, Hannah. I got tons of news. So, first of all, this is now the closing of the show, so thanks all the hardcore fans for sticking around. <laughs> so, I first want to say off by saying that public service announcement announcement there are huge, big, super spoilery leaks for Tears of the Kingdom floating around out there. So be careful when you're scrolling through social media. I am like not looking at anything. Spoilery. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so be careful when you open up Twitter because it likes to recommend you all of the hot topics. Um, next, we have Donkey Kong is the latest uh, Lego and Nintendo collaboration. So they have a bunch of cool new sets. I don't know if you saw that. It was just announced. I did see that, yeah. Pretty sweet. So if you want Donkey Kong and all of them fun Donkey Kong characters in Lego form, this is for you. Next, we have the Super Mario movie. It's projected to cross $1 billion by this weekend if it hasn't already. Did you see it? That's insane. I have not seen it yet. I have been so busy with school and finals, but I really want to. Hopefully next week. Oh, I thought for sure you'd seen it. I loved it. I don't love it. I know. I'm so excited. I wanted to go see it so bad, but I was like, you know what? I got to be a good student. I got to focus on school. It'll be my treat for getting through another school year or semester. You know, it's just like, it's a good kids movie and everything, but it's so nice to sit there and recognize so many Easter eggs. I think that's what it really was for me. That is so awesome. And I feel like if you watch it over and over and over again, you'll see more than you did the first time, which I love those kinds of movies. Right. Next we have Cadence of Hyrule. Crypt of the Necro Dancer is the next free game in the Nintendo Switch online subscription. Uh, You can play it free from May 1st to May 7th. So that's fun. Nice. Also, the next thing is Alien Isolation is getting a physical Switch. Uh, edition from Limited Run Games. Have you played that? Is that good? Oh, you're not gonna want to play that. That is a horrifying survival horror game. Oh, really? I loved it. Yeah, it was a great game. But you're you can't you can't hang. <laughs> Dang it! I love it's so <laughs> weird because I love I like I said Prometheus, which is like a prequel to all the Alien films. It's like one of my favorite films of all time. 
Dang it. That sucks. It's, where does uh, it, it's, do you know where it takes place in the timeline? No, I don't. If at all? Well, oh. I think you play as Ripley's daughter. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, worst case scenario, you just have to like watch a playthrough or something. It's it's really freaking scary. I don't care what y'all say. Who is listening to this? That <laughs> crap scared the crap out of me. <laughs> oh, dang it! Well, all right, I guess I won't. But darn it, is there? There's no alien games on in Switch right now, is there? Mm, I don't think so. I will say it's weird oh, that this game is getting a limited run release. This is like a 2017 game or something, and it's it's published by Sega. I don't understand why they have to work with another company to publish their game. It's very strange to me. It seems like more and more now limited run games is just kind of handling like the publishing. Like, not even the publishing, like the distribution like, it's like the companies don't want to do physical media anymore, obviously. So they're like, yeah, I guess we'll just push it out to someone else who specializes in that. You know? That's a good point. That could totally be it. That's really sad. Bef- before, they used to, like, also publish games. And sometimes, I think, Saturday Morning Cartoon, they actually developed themselves. I could be wrong about that. But they're just no, pushing yeah. other companies' games. Very strange. But, you know, change with the times, I guess. Also, in big news, the CMA has blocked Microsoft's Activision Blizzard deal, so it might not be happening at all. Yeah, pretty big stuff. So, according to, I think, people, I guess, at Microsoft, they're going to appeal the decision, but I've heard that the success rate of appeals is not very high. <laughs> so, it's not happening. That's crazy. How many? How many months... Has it been a year since they announced that they're going to try to do that? It's probably been a year. Dang, that's crazy. I would hate to be uh, behind the scenes of that deal. Next, we have Noah and Mio from Xenoblade Chronicles 3 uh, just had Amiibo announced, which is super duper exciting. And also, they're from Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and then Xenoblade Chronicles 2 characters Pyra and Mithra from freaking Smash, their Smash Brothers Amiibo, will be coming in July. Those were announced nice. like like two, three years ago. Maybe longer than that. I don't even know. <laughs> but they're just now coming out, which I think is crazy. Um, also, speaking of Nintendo Switch Online, there are four new Genesis games coming. We have Pulseman, which is a Game Freak game before they made Pokemon, I believe, which is kind of cool. So if you like Game Freak games, check that out. Then Street Fighter 2 Special Champion Edition, Kid Chameleon, and Flicky. Do you know any of those? Hey, we were just talking about the Flickies. Oh, is that one of the same Flickies? It actually is, yeah. <gasps> wow, I didn't know that. Well, cool. Also, I think, I'm not sure we talked about this in the last one, but Pokemon Stadium is out now for Nintendo Switch Expansion past subscribers so that's cool as part nice. of the um nintendo 64 line uh and then i'm not sure if you mentioned this one but this is the last thing that i have actually no i think you said in this episode e3 is officially dead um and nintendo yeah. has announced that they will be attending GamesCon 2023 in august so what will they do there i just can't help but feel bad for e3 <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. I mean, it's been going on for uh, 26 years, something like that. And now it's just dead. I think the pandemic really, really, really messed them up good. Unfortunately. You been buying anything, Hannah? You buy any games in the last month? You know what? Yes, I have. So, yesterday, I picked up my Tears of the Kingdom Switch. It was great. Um, you should have seen how many boxes were in the pickup area. <laughs> there were so many consoles. It was They were like, I want to say there was like 200, and they were like stacked on top of each other, and they were in these oh big my boxes. Gosh. Like they had just brought them in from the trucks. It was crazy. So the guy, bless his heart, had to look through so many consoles to find mine. He's like, I'm going to need a minute. And I was like, I get you. Don't worry. And I was like, in my mind, when I (laughs) pre-ordered it, because of course, I didn't know if it was going to be like a good pre-order, like a scarce pre-order or whatever. I was just so freaking out about it. I was like, in my mind, thinking, how many people could actually be, you know, ordering switches from this Best Buy? You know what I'm saying? Apparently a lot. That's hilarious. In like the three minutes that I was standing in line for my pickup, like two dudes in front of me picked one up too. And then I I seen them on like social media and there's like hundreds out there. Thank God. I'm so glad that Nintendo finally listened about their releases and see if hopefully this goes on to the future. Um, I wonder how many people, I'm sorry, I wonder how many people are like, are like us, you know, buying one even though they already have a Switch, you know? Like, that's probably a large chunk. Well, to be fair, for me, I have the day one base model, okay? And it keeps waking me up in the middle of the night with, like, a bright-ass orange screen. And when I say bright, I mean, like, neon, freaking eyeball <laughs> retina searing orange, okay? And I wake up in the middle of the night thinking there's an alien in my room, and I'm like, this is the day. My Switch is going to stop forever, you know? But it hasn't happened yet, so I'm going to transfer all my stuff over to the new Switch immediately. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone else is having that problem, but it scares the bejesus out of me every time. Like, this is it. I'm going to lose all my stuff. Damn it. My thousand hours in Breath of the Wild gone. You know, there's really, like, no reason for me to even use my old Switch. I was talking to a friend about, like, what what it's like having... um two switch accounts my friend has like three switches or whatever but since it's like like when you go on xbox or playstation you know it's it's not a pickup and take it with you so it it's like oh if i have two consoles in two rooms i want to be able to just back up everything on the cloud and just pick up where i left off on the other console or like i don't know that's just an example but there's really no need for that when you can literally take the console out of the dock and bring it to (laughs) another room and (laughs) so like, I've, like, toyed with the idea of selling my original Switch, but there's just no point. I mean, it's, like, what would I get? Like, $250 tops? There's, I don't know. I'd rather just keep it. Yeah, I agree. I had the same thought, but also a question that I haven't even thought of. Does the OLED model work with, like, a normal dock? Certainly it sure it would, does. Right? Sweet. Heck yeah. Nice. Cool, because I have two regular docks, and now I have an OLED dock. So, now I can just... I can leave one at my parents' house, and I don't have to bring it. Yes! Heck yeah. That's the best news. Yes. Wow. Anyway, the other thing I picked up was Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which is the Microsoft Studios Polish game, I think. Uh, Yeah. If I'm wrong, it was like... 
um, $15 at Best Buy, and I had a $5 reward, so I was like, yeah, I'll pick that up. Sounds great. Um, the next thing I got was Trinity Trigger, uh, which I think you'll probably talk about in a second, so I'll leave that to you. And then oh, also GameStop you. GameStop had a buy one, get one free sale the other day, and so I picked up Bayonetta 3 and Octopath Traveler for $60, so they are both $30 each, which I thought was a pretty good deal. Octopath 1? 2. Oh, nice. Very nice. That sounds like a great deal. Yep, and I was worried that it was going to be like the GameStop new, with the quotes around it, new, but they were both brand new. Sealed. It doesn't matter when you're going to play it anyway, Hannah. Well, what if I don't end up playing it? And also, it just rubs me the wrong way that it's considered new and it's opened. It's like I'd rather pay the pre-owned price if you're going to open it and get your grubby hands all over it, you know? I understand. But yeah, that's... I don't want to say that's all I got because it's a lot, but yes, that's what I got. Very nice. Yeah, I got Trinity Trigger from Hannah for, like, my freaking birthday. And... You know, I tried to spoil this gift. I'm not even going to lie. I tried to spoil it like two months ago. Because <laughs> you told me there was... I could be I could be misquoting you. But I thought that you told me that there was like an old RPG being brought out to modern consoles. And that it was getting like a remaster. I was like, man, what like old RPG could it be that's getting a remaster? And uh, I don't know. Maybe I misread what you said or whatever. But it turned out to be... Um, What's yeah, up? Yeah, you definitely did. <laughs> well, I tried to spoil it. was my long story short there. But um, <laughs> no, I'm freaking pumped. And I've been kind of like waiting for this OLED, which by the way, I got the Zelda OLED. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm excited to just check this game out on the Switch OLED screen. Um, it's for those that you... Probably no one listening has heard of Trinity Trigger, but it is this new game published by xseed and it's on ps5 and switch and it's got a bunch of people who worked on chrono cross secret of mana or trials of mana actually um and what's the other big one like the pokemon franchise right xenoblade oh yeah xenoblade um and it's like all these people came together and they made like this freaking mana like rpg and it's got three player local co-op just like secret of mana and it just looks like it's going to be an awesome time i'm sure hannah and i will get to talk about it in the may episode for you guys but it's a nice big box day one edition and it's so Mm -hmm, nice mm -hmm. and i'm very excited and thank you so much you're very welcome also it's a beefy box (laughs) Like, it's not, like, that thin cardboard that Nintendo has for other collector's editions. It's, like, straight-on, beefy, thick cardboard. You know what I'm saying? It is. And I gotta say, there's no good side to display it on, and it's pissing me off because <laughs> it doesn't say, like, Trinity Trigger on any side of the box. It's so stupid. That's a little silly, but it's still a nice box. I love the art for the game. Even if I didn't like, I don't know, the gameplay of the game, the art style would have drawn me to it, like, immediately. It is so pretty. It for sure looks like a Square Enix title. Mm-hmm. Also, it's published by Exceed. So, just saying, Exceed has a very uh, good reputation of their games going up in value over time. There's, like, no one talking about this game. It's There's so many AAA releases coming out right now. I have no doubt that this is getting overlooked immensely. 
<laughs> which is good for us. But it's yeah. good for a collector, I... but it's going to be bad if we want to see a sequel and it sells poorly. <laughs> Ooh, that is true. But yeah, so the game, I don't know exactly what date, but the game came out in Japan and I was going to import it from Japan because it came out, I don't know, a couple years ago, maybe. Right. Um, and then by the time your birthday rolled around and I was going to order it, they had just announced that it was coming to the United States with a cool collector's edition. And I was like, well, pfft, obviously, that's a no-brainer. It was cheaper for me to get the day one edition here in the United States versus importing it all the way from Japan. So I was like, duh, it's in English, blah, 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 blah. It was great. So, yeah. And then I got it, too, because I, I have no self-control. <laughs> I went and shared the pickup in the Discord and, like, at least two people immediately picked it up and were like, oh, this looks awesome. So. Oh, so you can just attribute that to me. <laughs> yeah, You're right. Welcome. Spreading the word. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I did go to Retropalooza last weekend, which means I did spend a lot of money on a bunch of trash. But the one cool pickup, I would say the coolest thing I got was Sonic CD. Um, Ooh. I don't have a Sega CD, so that sucks. But this is a game <laughs> that I have been wanting to buy for a while now. Um, decent price. You can see that the registration card was indeed removed from the manual, but I still bought it. Um, yeah, pretty neat. Ooh, speaking of, that's there's... another thing we didn't really mention, is how all the kind of magazines and the old games and stuff had stuff like that. So sweepstakes, oh, yeah. you take this card and you send it in, and you probably won't win. You know what I wish we had from, from 1996? Freaking manuals. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> um, I really have not been buying a whole lot. It's been a big money spending month on non-video game stuff. Except for the OLED, you know. Um, <laughs> right. The OLED and Retropalooza. I only got... Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get a whole lot of cool stuff at Retropalooza. Sonic CD was definitely the highlight. Um... So we can move on to been playing, if you've been doing any of that. Uh, for sure. So um, they announced, I don't know, was it on Twitter? No, I guess it must have been a video. I don't know, I don't remember. But they announced that the fourth wave of DLC for Zimbabwe Chronicles 3 was going to come out, and it's like some super epic, awesome DLC. And I was blown away because I didn't know it was coming out so soon. And they're like, yeah, it'll be out Tuesday. And I was like, God, Tuesday is such a bad day. Tuesday meaning like Tuesday of last week, so the 25th. Um, and so in preparation for that, I started playing Xenoblade Chronicles again, just because it takes a while to kind of uh, familiarize yourself with, like, the combat and, like, all the stuff. But it didn't matter anyway, because the DLC, uh, they came up, not new combat, but, like, a new kind of way to traverse the world and things act a little bit differently. But it is so good. It is, like, the penultimate freaking climax of the whole entire series. All three games melded into this one game, and it is freaking <laughs> fantastic. It is, I'm just it is, so happy I mean, for you. It makes me so happy. I, it's just, like I said, I texted you. I was like, Monolith makes me so happy. They make me want to cry. It's just, it's, it's so incredible. I'm not going to spoil anything, but like, oh, it's just, it's just so good. The only thing I will say though, is you have to know your lore and know your stuff. Cause there's just tidbits from everything. It's like all the games go into one. So I think. And you know what? It just makes me want to go back and play all three games, which I know is going to take me like at least another thousand hours, because I've put at least two hundred hours into all of them, and I want to go back and play all of them again because it's that good. 
I love hearing you talk about it. You're so passionate, and it's awesome. It's so good. My heart you breaks it up? for the people. No, I have not. I am not taking yet. my time because this this is it. I'm so sad that it's coming to an end. Obviously, they're going to make a Xenoblade Chronicles four, but it's not. I don't think it's going to be in this universe. Everything that I've seen about this um, is that this is it. This is one, two, three. It's a saga or it's a trilogy. They're all tied into one. And and once this is once you finish this story, like we're gonna put that story aside and we're gonna start working on something else. And obviously, Xenoblade Chronicles four is coming at some point, and it's probably gonna be great. But like, I don't want to say goodbye to this world and to these characters. You know what I'm saying? You never had the desire to go back and play the classic Xeno games. You know, I do. At I I don't know. It's hard because. I know that they'll probably be good, but I don't want them, I don't want to play them and then be disappointed by them. Does that make any sense? Like, I also want to go back and play Bait and Kato's, which, or Baten Kaito's, whatever you want to say. Um, and those are getting remastered soon, coming to the Switch. But I, do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? What do you mean you don't want to be disappointed by them? Like, I don't want to. I don't know. It probably is not going to make any sense. I'm also one of those people that'll get right to the end of something and then I'll stop watching completely because I don't want the story to end. I don't know. I should go back and play them, but I don't know. I'm just so like caught up in this world that I don't want to leave it. You know what I'm saying? If I'm going to sink hundreds of hours into another RPG, I'd rather just replay these ones. Is that stupid? Well, since you asked, yes, but that's how you live <laughs> your life. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I should go back and play those other ones. But yeah, I'm just, I'm so sad to leave this world behind. But anyway, about um, you? <laughs> yeah, I've been um, trying to, I think I said this before, but I'm trying to kind of tie up some loose ends on games that I've had in the backlog for a long time, and I'm trying to get some stuff finished by the time Zelda comes out. So I think Far Cry 6 will be one I cross off my list finally been having a lot of fun with it it's like a super open world first person shooter game um never played any far cries prior to this but this one's been a lot of fun um but yeah definitely not gonna be buying the dlc or anything i'm just kind of just gonna wrap this one up been playing dying light 2 came out last year and same situation just fell off of it never finished it so while i am desperately wanting to play trinity trigger i'm just like let me finish <laughs> far cry 6 first like let me i don't know i feel like tonight i'm gonna i'm gonna open up trinity trigger so that's probably bad but we'll see Oof. yeah i'm going to finish this dlc uh for xenomite chronicles and then i'm going to just throw myself into tears of the kingdom and not look at anything else i'm gonna put on blinders right, yeah. and only play that I'm honestly very excited. I'm super excited. Like, I know everyone is, but I'm very excited. The most recent trailer was absolutely and totally epic. And it just showed yeah. off so many things. I am so, not confused, but, like, looking forward to the mystery of everything. I have not looked at anything since watching that trailer. Because um, I don't want to get spoiled by anything. But I'm just, I am so excited. It's not even funny. I actually took the day off work. So... Um, that's awesome. I, I, I know oh, it's awesome. not going to be... I won't be able to play until it ships from GameStop, though. So that is a disappointment. But at least I won't be working. <laughs> well, 
Well, that's true. You'll have all day to just wait in anticipation. Twiddle yeah. your thumbs. <laughs> um, well, what was I going to say? Yeah. Oh. oh, go ahead. I was going to say that sometimes games have a tendency to ship early. Like your Trinity trigger came out. It shipped to you and came out two days before the game actually released. So you could be one of them situations. You get it early. I could totally see that happening. It feels like it's this week, but we still have two weeks. Ugh, I know. Don't say that. <laughs> um, the other thing I've been playing a lot of is Overcooked 2. My roommate and my girlfriend and I, we freaking got four stars on every single level. I love that game wow. so much. That is one of the most impressive things you have ever said. <laughs> that is quite the accomplishment. I'm convinced it's impossible with two people, but with three or four, I think it can be done uh, pretty easily. It but... is certainly impossible with two people. <laughs> um, yeah, so I bought the DLC. I've been waiting for a sale for like the last couple weeks, and it was like, it's usually $20 for all the DLC, and I got it for 7 bucks, and I'm <gasps> pumped to do Dude! all the DLC now. Why didn't you tell me? Is it still on sale? Oh, it was on Xbox. Oh, bummer. So you don't have like the super overcooked special nonsense. You you just have the base game. I have the base game, and that's it. Yeah. Bummer. Man, yeah, I'm I'm gonna kind of like try to take it slow with the DLC because we're not gonna. I don't know when we're getting overcooked three, but I need it soon. <laughs> well, speaking of moving out two. Oh, was yeah. announced like forever ago and i don't think we've ever heard anything about it but the moving out series is made by the same people uh team 17 and it is also fantastic we'll probably move to that and start um start trying 100 percent that that one has a lot of i mean it's like different it's not just like about getting the best score it's like um you know here's this random thing that you have to go do like go i don't know pack the chicken away whenever you're moving all the boxes <laughs> you know yeah that's a great game too though i love it it's so good i think that's it though heck yeah well it's only been two hours and 45 minutes not bad for us that's pretty <laughs> oh, you're pretty like, par oh, that's so funny you're like yeah i'm thinking this is gonna be a short one it's like, mm, that, was a on that was a joke that was a joke I wouldn't count on it. Hannah, where can the Heck people yeah. find you on Instagram? Game Girl Advance SP. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I am at Bird Dog Gaming everywhere, and we will see you in the month of May. I hope you all enjoy some Tears of the Kingdom between now and then. Yes, yes, for sure. Also, real quick, the next game that we'll be doing, like last month we did Bayonetta, the next game we're doing like that is for sure Mario and Luigi. We've locked it in. We've got multiple people in the Discord already talking that they're going to be playing it with us. And one dude already finished it, so... What? Be ready for that. Yeah. Dang. Alright, sweet. Buckle up. It'll be a fun up. I'm looking forward to playing that one for sure. Too many games to yeah, play. Me too. I know. This is crazy. This summer's going to be packed. Alright, guys. We will see you next month. See you.